Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. We're back on the Oz Network for our second week of Anniversary Month, uh, where we're celebrating all things 2002 that haven't already been talked about here uh, on other 2002 films. So sorry, there's going to be no Attack of the Clones. Sorry, Ben, there's going to be no Die Another Day. Um, Those have been discussed uh, more than they should have been on (laughs) 007. Uh, not Star Wars, but Attack of the Clones. Say, Attack of the Clones uh, was discussed in 007. <laughs> yeah. I must have been away that week. Damn. <laughs> All the hopes of Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, or Natalie Portman being the future <laughs> Bond uh, have already been discussed at great length. But uh, we are moving on to Signs, the M. Night Shyamalan blockbuster from 2002, the prequel to Jordan Peele's Nope, uh, maybe. <laughs> Some people might think it is. Uh, but... Uh, More importantly, the last big movie that Mel Gibson did as an actor ever, maybe. Uh, 20 years later, he's still waiting for another one. Daddy's Home 2? That that famous Mel Gibson blockbuster. Uh, I like Daddy's Home (laughs) 2. Until Lethal Weapon 5 comes out, this will be the pinnacle of Mel Gibson's acting career. And let's also say the pinnacle of Rory Culkin's acting career. Uh, And the pinnacle of Joaquin Phoenix's acting career until Joker and just the beginning of the greatness that is Abigail Breslin. Literally. <laughs> my name is Colin. Movie. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> my, my name is Colin, uh, a nerd who's never had a girlfriend. And my name is Dr. Bimboo. And instead of going to play furry, furry rabbit, I'm going to go join the pros and have my feet licked by beautiful women. And on that What's note, no, fruit? I'm not. Disgusting. Beautiful women, <laughs> yes, please, but nobody licks my feet. Natalie Portman would not even be allowed to lick my feet. No, no, no. I was going to say, who are you, James Franco? <laughs> well, I'm not touching people. Army Hammer. Um, I'm not a cannibal. Um, <laughs> furry Furry uh, Rabbit. That's a good game. Yeah, it's a game? Is it? <laughs> I don't know. That's Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> I think he was acting Casey in that Affleck scene. Would- Casey Affleck would know. We're not Joaquin Phoenix, though. He's too good of a guy. Uh, Signs is a movie that we have probably discussed many times since we launched the Oz Network. And how do you fit it into a month? Uh, we do Alien Invasion Month, maybe, but uh, it's perfect. Shine a Lanaman month. Shyamalan month. Uh, can't wait until we can cover Old and The Village and uh, The Happening. Oh, that'll be a good... Some of, some of his movies might fit into bad movie month, but definitely not Signs, because uh, this is... Uh, I, as I'm finding more and more over the last couple of months, especially with Nope coming out, where a lot of people are saying, like, yeah, it kind of looks like Signs a little bit, and now that Nope's come out, people are like, yeah, it almost reminds me of Signs. I'm hearing so many people talking about Signs again, 
who maybe haven't brought it up in 19 years. Uh, and most of it seems to be almost people were like, they're, they're almost afraid to admit that they love this movie, which I don't understand why. Uh, I've heard multiple people say like, oh, I don't care what anybody else says. Science is a fantastic movie. I'm like, why would you care? Why, why would it matter? What, what is wrong with science? Nothing is wrong with science. Nothing. Uh, yeah. But I think maybe because Shyamalan, you know, obviously he had more prestigious movies, which I think are probably inferior than signs before this yet coming off of the sixth sense coming off of unbreakable. Uh, and then since this, you know, he went into a slump where I guess you have to say, I'm not ashamed to admit it <laughs> to like an M night Shyamalan movie. Uh, but he's also come back. He's had split. He had glass. Um, that might be it, but <laughs> he was at top of his game here in 2002. And, uh, when we go through kind of the background, that's going to be the most interesting thing, but like I'm, I'm with everybody else out there. I'm not afraid to admit it. I love signs. It's so weird that this is a question because I think we were talking about this recently that this movie was huge in 2002. Mm-hmm. This was a, a blockbuster. We'll talk about that in the box office. And it was from what I remember very well received. I don't remember this mm-hmm. being a hated movie. I don't think it was really to the next couple that he did where all of a sudden he went down the toilet so it's, it's weird that all of a sudden people are like, oh, yeah, Signs, I actually like that movie. Like, this was a liked movie. You know, this isn't yeah. Die Another Day that people liked five <laughs> minutes into it then realised it was shit. Like, this was a generally re- well-received <laughs> can, can we, movie. Can we loop that on 007? I didn't hear anything. Um, so <laughs> it's it baffles me that people question it. Um, and, like, this isn't... I don't even remember why I went and saw this movie. I really don't. I think it was very well marketed, like with the the crop circles and the aliens. And I'm always into alien things, which is maybe why I'm intrigued. Maybe I will go see Nope. It's not even out in Australia yet at the time of recording this. So for some reason we get it delayed. How does that sound familiar? But, um, I mean, I ended up going to see this movie twice. We'll talk about that in our history with the film, which at this point I had never seen The Sixth Sense. Good times. Great memory, memory of my life. Uh, I've never seen, still to this day, have not seen Unbreakable. Um, so this and uh, The Sixth Sense are the only two M. Night Shyamalan films I've ever seen. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't like I went into this as an M. Night Shyamalan fanboy. I like Mel Gibson. Uh, that was a popular thing to say in 2002. Um, Joaquin Phoenix I liked because I liked Gladiator. I used to watch that movie a lot back in 2002. So I think a lot of things lined up for me to see it. But, no, I loved it when I saw it. I hadn't watched it in a long time. I said to you last night, like, gee, science is good. Um, which it's never really changed my opinion of it. It's scary. I've got sort of some of the scary bits that are in it. It's probably got the scariest thing I've ever seen in cinema, and I've seen Kill Phil um, <laughs> in this in this movie. And, yeah, it holds up well as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's got a future president of the United States in this movie. <laughs> um, there's a lot going for it, and I just I don't understand how this has all of a sudden gotten forgotten about and people think, oh, it's a crap movie. Like, no, this is a this is a great movie. Yeah, it's it really has to be just the inconsistency with Shyamalan's career. Why people say, "Oh, you know, I don't, I don't mind uh, saying this, but I love Signs," because uh, it really did go down the toilet after this. I mean, The Village was his next movie, which I mean, I I, I find that that one gets less criticism than it should, <laughs> and it definitely gets a lot liked? of criticism. Isn't there one of the ones? No, that- la- the, the one that his next one after that, Lady in the Water, oh. is the one that I absolutely love. I mean, I might right. say that's my favorite Shyamalan after signs uh but then of course he he butchered avatar the last airbender and uh uh he had the happening which is arguably one of the worst movies ever made not just a Shyamalan movie uh but the the weird thing is is that all those movies even that follow this like uh when his career started going when it wasn't just hey this is a great movie 
Uh, now looking back, you're like, I'm ashamed to say I like a Shyamalan movie, but the ones like The Village and Lady in the Water and uh, The Last Airbender and The Happening, when he was in this massive slump, those movies still made a fortune. So yeah, and after there, there's an After <laughs> Earth too, which again, I'll defend After Earth. That, that was not as bad as people make it out to be. But, uh, but like, yeah, Shyamalan, though, in 2002, I mean, he was the Jordan Peele at that time. This was the, the hot new director and his name being attached to the movie. I mean, one of the trivia bits that uh, I didn't even realize going in is that Shyamalan did not want to have one of those title cards in the trailers that says from the mm. director of The Sixth Sense or from the director of Unbreakable. You know, Unbreakable definitely had that, you know, from the director of The Sixth Sense. But at this point, he's like, I don't want people to connect because this is a different movie. And it is very different from Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, which are definitely a lot less humor in those movies. And that's the other thing that I think is surprising about this movie is like, Emma Shyamalan can do funny. <laughs> he yeah. can really do funny, which he's never done again. But, uh, but yeah, when this movie came out, I mean, it was obviously his idea. He didn't want this to be associated with the sixth sense, but his name alone was big enough deal that you could just put M night Shyamalan's name on a poster and people, it's it's like Jordan Peele now, you know, M. Night Shyamalan, whoa, the guy who did, people just know, the guy who did The Sixth Sense, the guy who did Unbreakable. I, I saw both of those movies. Um, I, I like The Sixth Sense. I think The Sixth Sense is maybe a tad bit overrated now, huh, uh, but it, it it's not a terrible <laughs> movie, like Ben well. says. Uh, but uh, Unbreakable, I thought, was an even better movie, even though it's something that I, I probably have only seen twice in my life. Um, but, uh, yet that was one of the selling features for me. I'm like, Oh, the guy who did, just seen the name. I'm like, Oh, the guy who did the six cents, the guy who did the unbreakable. Um, I mean, my background, this movie is, uh, I can remember the trailer before anything. Cause the trailer came out like a year ahead of the movie. So seeing something in the summer of 2001 and seeing this trailer for this crop circle movie, and it's got the creepy music, which is, that's another thing I'll mention when we mm, get to the music a little cool. bit later. Uh, and I, I saw a trailer, I don't know how many times over the course of a year. And so I spent a year being like, oh, I can't wait for that alien movie, that crop circle movie that's coming out. And Mel Gibson, I mean, you know, I, I grew up loving the Lethal Weapon movies. So Mel Gibson was enough to make me interested anyways. Uh, and so my brother and I, we were there opening night for this movie. And like you said, it was huge. I mean, the theater was completely packed. And I, I can remember even on first viewing being like, wow, that movie's just fantastic. And I can't even tell you how many times I've seen this movie. I mean, right up there with about a boy we talked about last week. I mean, I could quote every line of this movie before it comes up. Uh, just quickly, uh, looking at M. Night Shyamalan's um, Shyamalan Ding Dong's uh, filmography, he did do a comedy, well, a comedy drama before the Sixth Sense it was movie. His first called, one. Well, it was his second one, apparently, called Wide Awake, which uh, has Dennis Leary uh, <laughs> and Rosie O'Donnell in it and Julia Stiles. So there you go. We want to see him do that. That came out a year before the six. His first one was a film called Praying with Anger, an independent drama film. Um, yeah, I don't like The Sixth Sense. Just, oh, so overrated. But I, I remember the hype around it. Like, I remember my mum going to see that and coming home and like, oh, I can't tell you the twist. I can't tell you the twist. And it's like, mm. I mean, I saw it probably a decade afterwards. So by then, obviously, I knew the twist. But even then, I don't know, just something about it, didn't like it. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I think that 2002 I remember as well being a huge year for movies. And I think, I mean, obviously we're doing this purely this month, but I, I remember just the hype around everything that came out in 2002. And I just, it was one of those weird years that I just remember being so excited for everything. And I just, I went to the movies mm -hmm. so much. It might have been the year 
that I went to the movies the most in my life, um, just as a teenager, because I was getting pocket money, and maybe then it was a case where my pocket money equal to movie tickets so I could afford to go see one. I didn't have to rely on my parents to be like, Ben, we're going to the movies or yes, Ben, you can go see Star Wars or something like that. This was, I've got my own weekly allowance so I can afford a ticket now. Um, so that's also probably a reason why I went and saw it. But I remember I saw this by myself and I mean, we'll get to the scene obviously, but this is the only time in my entire life of a movie. Well, actually there's another movie, but I'll mention that in a second that I wanted to walk out of. And that is because <laughs> I literally shat myself in one of the, and I like, and I, I just have never been a scary movie. I think we talked about this way back when we did Night of the Living Dead series. Like, it's just not something that's ever interested me, horror movies. It's mm. just, I don't know why. And this was like, I like I was like, fuck, fuck. Like, I, I was looking around. I'm like, I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I can't watch this. I can't watch this. I was like shitting myself from scaredy catness uh, in the closet alien scene, which obviously mm. we'll get to. The other movie I nearly walked out of was Cloverfield just because I felt so ridiculously sick watching that movie because of the shaky cam. Um, I, I liked it. Uh, but yeah. And also the Lion King live action. I nearly walked out of that because that was shit. Uh, if I wasn't with somebody in hindsight, it didn't, wouldn't matter if she was there or not. I could have left anyway. She didn't with me. So it wouldn't have mattered. Um, I, I maybe still would have left no, by I'm myself strike though. the first blow. <laughs> I'm walking out of the Lion King. Follow that up. By myself. Uh, unlike her. But anyway, point is i saw it and then like i i remember coming home and even though it scared the shit out of me i was like wow that's so good so i said to my mum, like mom you've got to see this movie you loved the sixth sense so come and see this movie with me so i think i might have even seen it like a couple of days later it might have broken a record for me for most i've seen a movie so quickly because i'm pretty sure i saw this within the same week of seeing it the first time so saw this twice at the movies which was a very rare thing for me to do back in 2002 so that's how much i enjoyed it and i remember buying it on dvd like as soon as it came out watching it and i used to watch this all the time but honestly this time around it's probably the first time i might have watched this in a decade i feel like it's been such a long time since i've watched this but yeah, um, love this movie when it came out and i think this is the only one on this month that we're doing I saw in the cinema because I'm struggling to remember if I saw Panic Room in the movies. I really am. I can't remember if I did see Panic Room. I might have, but I just, I'm struggling to remember if I did or not. So we'll talk about that next week. Uh, the only other bit of trivia that uh, I'll kind of give as far as like, before this movie was made, I mean, obviously Mel Gibson's, you know, as big of a deal as any actor could ever be in 2002. I mean, anything Mel Gibson did, it was the Mel Gibson movie. And I know we've kind of talked about this other times. Like we don't have movie stars anymore that just sell a movie. And an actor mm. appears in a movie. Biggest actors in the Tom world, Cruise? they appear in a movie. Top I, I guess Tom, Cru- <laughs> Tom Cruise would be the last last holdover where it's like, oh, a Tom Cruise movie's coming out. That means it's a big deal. Will uh, Smith, I mean, he made the Academy yeah. Awards the biggest movie of 2022. <laughs> yes. Can you imagine the day? And one day it will happen. The day where Will Smith and Chris Rock decide to do a buddy oh. comedy together, yeah. that will be the record breaker of all record breakers. <laughs> so yeah, I can't you, wait for you that. You know there's going to be a time when Will Smith does a movie and everybody forgives him and it's going to be like the biggest thing of all time. Like it's yeah. going to happen. Like it's it's Will freaking Smith. But um, yeah, I'm down for a Will Smith, Chris Rock. But, you know, it's called The Slap. They just remake The Slap, the Australian <laughs> TV series that failed in America. It's called The Slap. Simple. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Joaquin Phoenix is more interesting. 
The, the slapping. Yeah, M. Night Shyamalan brings you the slapping. The slapping. <laughs> it wasn't Will Smith. It was trees all along. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, Joaquin Phoenix is, uh, I, I guess he was coming off of uh, Oscar nomination in Gladiator. You know, he'd, he'd sort of been on the radar prior to that, but not necessarily a recognizable name. But I mean, after Gladiator, everybody in that movie was a recognizable name. Uh, but he wasn't even the original choice for this. It was actually, and I, I only learned this for the first time a few days ago, Mark Ruffalo was not only supposed to be in this movie. I mean, it was up until like a week or two before filming where he suddenly had to go in for surgery and had to drop up the movie. Like, this was supposed to be Mark Ruffalo's breakthrough. Uh, and uh, it was uh, based off a movie, You Can Count On Me, which uh, I've seen, it's, it's a really good movie. That was sort of like his, his first uh, critical acclaim that he had. And M. Night Shyamalan saw both him and Rory Culkin in that movie and said, I'm going to put both of these guys in my crop circle movie. Uh, and this is, uh, I think, a year before 13 Go On 30 kind of became like Mark Ruffalo's commercial breakthrough. So this could have been the movie that made Mark Ruffalo's career, but he had to go in for surgery. So Joaquin Phoenix steps in at the last minute. Uh, and I, I, I love Mark Ruffalo. Like I love Mark Ruffalo way more than uh, I do Joaquin Phoenix. Like Mark Ruffalo Aww. is probably my top five favorite actors of like the last 20 years. But um, I, I don't know if I could see Mark Ruffalo in this role as much as Joaquin Phoenix. This seems like it was written for Joaquin Phoenix. The only discrepancy being Joaquin Phoenix looks young. I mean, I don't know how old the character was. Mark Ruffalo was around 30-ish. When this movie came out, I could buy him as the younger brother of Mel Gibson. Joaquin Phoenix, I, I mean, his character doesn't look a day over 23, 24. Uh, so that might be the only stretch in this movie that they never bothered to explain. But still, Joaquin Phoenix, to me, this is like, and not just because I love this movie so much, this just seems like the type of role Joaquin Phoenix was born for. I think Mel Gibson's about 14 or 15 years older, I read in the trivia. But I mean, I don't necessarily think that's a problem. They, they It's not like they say that he's a two-year younger brother like i mean brothers can have a 15-year age gap between them like it's it can happen so i'm not that fussed about it i can i could see mark ruffalo in this movie i you know i don't think it's that much of a stretch um, i think he's, he's too nice I, I mark ruffalo's yeah. played some dark characters before but he always has that mark ruffalo oh he's such a nice guy to him you don't want to make him angry um but like yeah, I mean, I like Mark Ruffalo, but I would disagree. I like Joaquin Phoenix better than Mark Ruffalo. If I was to make my, oh. like, top 10, top 20 favourite actors, I'd probably put Joaquin. I love Joaquin Phoenix. I think he's great. Like, he was – it's one of those ones where, like, you always have an actor that when they win an Oscar, you get a little bit extra happy about. Like, yeah. Will Smith this year. Will Unpopular Smith. now, but, like, <laughs> seriously, I was I was only, like, glued to the TV this year because of fucking Will Smith was going to win an Oscar, and that made me so happy. Slapping it hot. He's an Oscar winner now. Makes me happy. When Joaquin Phoenix won the other year, so happy that he finally got an Oscar. Um, and I, I, I love Joaquin Phoenix. So, yeah, and it's, it's, they've got a good chemistry. Him and Mel Gibson. I think it kind of, mm. it kind of works. But I mean, this is maybe one of those movies that we talked about how maybe it gets a bit forgotten about. But I feel this is one of those Joaquin Phoenix movies that gets forgotten about that he was in it because it's sort of mm -hmm. he's gone on to do bigger and better things now, won an Oscar and, you know, it's Gladiator and everything else that's come from that since. But, like, I feel he never gets mentioned signs as the guy from that, you know, whereas, I mean, Rory Colgan does because what else has he done since? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, there's nobody else really in this movie except for Cherry Jones, <laughs> Madam Presidency. Um, but, yeah, um, but... It's Abigail Breslin's first ever film, which... Yeah. And can I just say, I'm 
obviously not a fan of child actors because they annoy the shit out of me for the most part. Rory Culkin, Abigail Breslin, good in this movie. Oh, not amazing. annoying at all. And Abigail Breslin, I mean, how old was she in this film? Like five? I mean, she was going to yeah. get nominated for an Oscar only, what, like four years later? Like, I mean, she's brilliant. She really is. Mm-hmm. And we can say this now. Now, she's hot. This, she's like five. <laughs> not commenting on it. Now, hot. Then, little, cute little girl, good actor. That's all we say. You got to have that separation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it wasn't okay in 2002. It's okay That's again, now. <laughs> it's like my excuse is always Harriet the Spy. I was like in love with Michelle Trachtenberg, but at the time I was like eight and she was like nine. So it was allowed <laughs> back then. But now I'm scared to watch Harriet the Spy because now it's creepy. <laughs> because Let's if I'm going clear- like, oh, she's so hot. I'm like, okay, Ben, you're watching like a nine-year-old. <laughs> Let's also clear up. Ben was not saying in 2002 that five-year-old girl was hot. Because no. that would have been no. wrong even then. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. I'm saying now in 2022, this like 26-year-old woman is very attractive. Yeah, I, just just on her career, like it's. I'm not going to say it's unfortunate that she has gone in a different direction, but the direction she's gone in is very surprising and very entertaining because she came from being the girl from signs, the Oscar nominee from little miss sunshine. And, you know, uh, I, I know she's done some other dramatic movies since there was that terrible movie that she did with, uh, I think it was Julia Roberts or Meryl Streep or something like that. Uh, the August County or whatever, but, uh, but her career kind of from screen Queens on, she's sort of discovered I can be goofy and I could be funny and I could be really over the top. And, she is extremely funny, and most of what she does now seems to be comedies like Zombieland and Scream Queens, and she's kind of carved a different career path. You know, she's not going for the dramatic actress anymore. And I mean, one day maybe she will be that, that great dramatic actress, you know, the uh, follow-up to Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, Big Miss Sunshine, coming soon. But, My uh, sister's but, uh, keeper with Cameron Diaz? Come yeah, on. that one. Uh, Nims Island with Julia Roberts, wasn't she in that? Was that the one with Julia Roberts in it? Not Julia Roberts, uh, Jodie Foster. Is that the one I'm thinking uh, of? Oh, Nims Island. Yeah, no, I do remember that. Filmed yeah. in Australia uh, and was like a massive flop, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, I didn't mind that movie. That was pretty good. Uh, I remember Jamie and I saw that one. It was uh, okay. Uh, but uh, Gerard no, with, Butler with, as well. I mean, you, you sold me at Abigail Breslin and Jodie Foster, <laughs> but then you lose me at Gerard Butler. Come on. <laughs> Well, Rory Culkin, I'm going to give one defensive. Like, obviously, most of what he's done has been indie work. And it's funny, I always confuse the other Culkin brothers. You know, everybody knows Macaulay Culkin because of Home Alone. But Kieran Culkin and Rory Culkin, Culkin, yes, <laughs> they both spell and pronounce their names differently uh, <laughs> as brothers. But <laughs> but the, I confuse which one of them did which. Because, I mean, they all do look very similar. There's a, a big age gap between them. But uh uh, Kieran Culkin uh, is in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And I always think, oh, it was Rory Culkin that was in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And the other, I guess the next biggest thing that Rory Culkin has done, why do I keep calling only Rory Culkin? Rory Culkin. I love the Culkins. Too great. many R's in this name. <laughs> but uh, uh, the only other, I guess, thing he's done outside of independent uh, movies that was fairly big was, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the, the miniseries Waco uh, about David Koresh. Oh, yes. Love that. They're making another one, by it? the way. Yeah, yeah. With Taylor Kitsch. Canada's great Taylor um, Kitsch is David Koresh. Amazing. Yeah. A- amazing miniseries. Great. And, um, really good. That's I, easy in that, isn't he? I remember. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's been a while he, since he, I've seen that. He's great. kind of the, like, it, it is obviously Michael Shannon and Taylor Kitsch. They're like the big characters, but the, it's kind of told from the point of view of Rory Culkin's. Culkin! 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 
It's the, it's the extra R in Rory. It's How can you Rory say Shemalang and Ding Dong, but you can't say Colkin? <laughs> I can pronounce Shaiwan, but I can't pronounce a Colkin. Uh, I can't but... pronounce Shemalang and Ding Dong. Like, no. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Rory Colkin, he's he's a good actor. It's just he isn't, maybe isn't interested in doing major movies, or maybe people don't look at him for major he's movies. He's the third because he just like the... That's what we were talking exactly. about the other day with um whatever we were talking about the other day on but uh, I would, Disaster Artist, right? I would argue he's, he's probably Franco the... Brothers. He's probably the best actor. He's probably maybe the most talented of those three kids. Because uh, no, I don't Macaulay? think Macaulay Culkin. Well, Macaulay Culkin has his talent in the right genre, but I I could not see Macaulay Culkin doing something like Signs. You know, uh, he did. He um, do he Home did Alone. A, I mean, they've, uh, Abigail Breslin obviously did Screen Queens, um, Ryan Murphy, and then uh, yeah, I think I mentioned a few times Macaulay Culkin was in one of the was well, the newest season of American Horror Story. It was actually pretty good in it. Oh, was he? Um, yeah, like he played like a meth head or something like a meth head male prostitute. It was actually quite funny. But um, I was I I was just thinking of something and I was gonna say and I've gone completely back. Oh, Macaulay Culkin. I I'm offended every time people say Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone. Yep, okay, great. The second one better than the first one. Unpopular opinion, but Richie Rich underrated Macaulay Culkin movie and and Rory Culkin. <laughs> uh, played young Richie Rich in Richie Rich. He played he? Macaulay Culkin in Richie Rich. Oh. That was his first role. Who's that British guy that we talked about in Titanic? Is it Jonathan? Uh, he was in all the 90s movies. He's in Jumanji. He's in Richie Rich, Titanic. Uh, he was trying the, to block out Titanic. He was the dad. In, um, he was the butler in Richie Rich. You know him. He's in everything. I think he's still Probably. alive. Oh, if he's in Titanic, name? I want to forget, though. He was like the, um, oh, you'd know him in Titanic. He's the, the dad in Jumanji. Jonathan Hyde. Jonathan Hyde. Okay. I mean, if I look up a picture, it might jog my you memory. You would totally know who he is. He, like, <laughs> looks very old now because I guess this is, like, 30 years later. But, uh, yeah, you definitely know who he is. There's no way you wouldn't know. Uh, Everyone in the 90s who watched children's movies in the 90s. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first thing I see is a picture of him from Jumanji. I'm like, okay, I know who you're talking about now. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, Jonathan Hyde also would have made a great uh, Morgan uh, Hess in <laughs> he Science. He a good alien. <laughs> yeah, he, he did play the alien. Um, he did. Famous, famous last words. I don't think this one will take us as long as the other ones this month. Um, half of this movie is just waiting for a jump scare. But uh, getting into it, I'm going to say first, right out of the way, the opening credits and the opening theme, I mean, this always, oh. this is like one of the most classic. It, it, it's like a... 1940s 1950s horror sci-fi movie uh and and my Shyamalan even was going for uh with the the theme he wanted something that sounded like the theme from Psycho uh which this really does uh but I remember just seeing this at opening night in the theater and just being like man I love these credits like Mm -hmm. and yet it's so simple it's just a white screen but it's not often you see a white screen with credits just like just titles and then the music was just incredible this theme music so there's two stories that are out there about the theme. Uh, I, I guess everybody kind of knows that the, this theme is in the trailers, which is very unusual because typically the score is one of the last things done for me. You you have to have a finished edited movie, you know, maybe some effects to be finished, but you have to have a finished movie because the music has to be timed to the scenes that are completed. And typically you know, a composer will come on with like two or three months left before a movie's released and say, okay, here's your score. Maybe they're kind of giving some notes beforehand and, you know, uh, hey, can you write a theme that kind of sounds like this for this character? I'll show you a couple clips. But um, this theme was in the trailer a year before the movie was released. 
And James Newton Howard is probably my favorite. Uh, I would I would say even including John Williams now over the last 20 years, James Newton Howard, probably one of my fav- favorite composers. I actually have. Titanic. I, I, that's that's I, because of Titanic. That's James Horner. But uh, yes. Whatever. <laughs> James, James Newton Howard was also a James fan of composer. Titanic. You were halfway there. <laughs> Whatever. But I actually have it right here. My copy of the CD soundtrack assigns. <laughs> He's been sitting on that for the old network for five years going, yes, I can get my signed CD out. Here it is. Sign CD. I'm, Woo! I have, I've never listened to it. I just bought it to hold it up one day on camera. <laughs> but uh, uh, this soundtrack is just amazing. And this theme, the two stories that kind of exist about this one, which was the original story I heard, which I, I tend to think might be more accurate is that uh, M. Night Shyamalan had just asked James Newton Howard, I, I know that there, we have a lot of time now before the movie comes out, but can you just write a, just something for the trailer? He wanted an original piece of music from the trailer. He didn't want to reuse you know, old music. He didn't want to reuse music from The Sixth Sense or uh, Unbreakable, which is what they'll often do. So he asked James Newton Howard to write a theme for his minute and a half long trailer. And this is what came out of it. And people responded so positively to it that he's like, okay, can you write the score around this now? The other story being that he actually gave him notes and gave him some footage and told him, start working on this score a year ahead of time while we're still in the middle of filming, while we're still you know, in the very early stages of post-production. Um, I don't know which one of those is true, but either way, it's very unusual for a movie to have its music available a year ahead of time to use in a trailer. Typically, even the final trailers that come out where it's like, you know, uh, two months before a movie's release, you still are working on the score at that point. But uh, uh, just getting out of the way right now, uh, this theme music, the, the, the creepy theme music, like this was also, like you said, that one of the things that the buzz about this movie was just this music. Everybody had it running in their head after seeing the trailer. True story about this theme is that when I walk into a room, this music plays. <laughs> just as I walk into a room, everyone runs. It's just that, that's, that's what happens. Um, that's a funny joke, Ben. Um, I um, I love this theme. It is like it's great, and you're right. Like maybe this is what helped sell me on the trailer as well. But um. Yeah, like, it, it, it came with, again, not having seen this movie in so long, when these opening credits starting, like, yeah, I remember this. Like, like yeah, I love it. Yeah! Signs! Yeah. <laughs> like, well, hey, it's it's that music that always plays when I enter a room. How did yeah. it get in the movie? Am um, I going to get paid for this? We'll talk about it next week with Panic Room, because uh, I'll mention it next week. I kind of did my Jodie Foster is a Badass Woman trilogy rewatch a couple of years ago when I was in Canada. And when I rewatched Panic Room, I'm like, fuck, this movie's good. Um, so, like, it's kind of like this movie as well. I'm like, fuck, this movie's good. It's like, fuck, this score's good. No wonder I yeah. hear it all the time when I enter a room. Particularly in schools. You should hear it if I'm driving past a school. Every time Ben has an impure thought about Abigail Breslin. Hey. Abigail Breslin pre when she was 18, thank you very much. But now, <laughs> an impure thought about Abigail Breslin is fine. Uh, see, we're both saying Abigail now. Abigail. We're both adding R's to names. <laughs> well, tell me why so. We shouldn't have done the, the room the other day. Oh, hey, dog. Hey, who is he? Hey, hey, hey. doggy. <laughs> I'm Edward Furlong. <laughs> uh Anyways, uh, the movie, it kind of opens up after the theme ends. You you get 
the very subtle picture of the, the family where the wife's included in there. She might come back later. Uh, and then you hear a scream queen uh, in the background, uh, somebody screaming. And here's Morel Gibson <laughs> waking up to the scream of a child uh, running outside. And this is one of the things that, that I, I like subtlety in movies. I like when you have to spell something out and you can kind of interpret things. And uh, the first line that Abigail Breslin has here uh, in this movie is like, are you in my dream too? That's a running thing. And I don't think I ever quite, until I took notes on it, pinpointed how much this comes up. Oh, she had a dream about this. Oh, this is just like my dream. But they never quite explain it. They never quite, you know, uh, clear it all up and hammer something in and say, yes, she has premonitions. She is a psychic child. But like, it's just sort of this running thing in the movie. It's like, hey, does she kind of have like psychic visions or something? And uh, I'm never 100% clear on uh, whether that's supposed to be part of the movie, but it's still a cool little feature in here. Uh, and then um, you have uh, the, the first reveal of the crop circle, uh, which, again, is done practically. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's a cool visual, uh, the size of it. And I, I always found crop circles to be very interesting. Like, you know, I, I, I don't really I don't believe aliens actually exist. Uh, what? I think it's it's well, aliens been we'll have we'll discuss this off air <laughs> but oh okay it's too, I, like, I thought, don't get don't get this started like when we got no involving ghost conversation <laughs> but uh, i don't want to shatter all of your hopes and illusions but but like everything with aliens and crop circles is very easily explained you know um actually i have i'll, I'll get it out of the way now i have a very interesting theory about like aliens and and stuff like that and uh uh part, part of my theory because most of what people believe aliens for is like the government's being very secretive if you look at the time period when alien sightings, UFO sightings and all that started, it was right around. And then after World War II, it was during the Cold War. It was during a time where you would have a lot of spying going on from one country to another. And you would have a lot of secretive aircrafts and stuff like that. And for the government, when people start saying maybe it was an alien, maybe it was a UFO. If I'm the government, I'm playing up on that. You don't, Nobody's going to start digging any further when they start saying, we know nothing about aliens. Trust us. Aliens do not exist. They are not real. To me, that is the perfect cover story. So when people talk about, well, the government's secret and stuff like that, the government, you know, does the guarantee they're doing that because that is a perfect cover story to cover up for what is actually going on. But it's always very convenient. It's like, oh, these secretive aircrafts and these lights in the sky. It's like, uh, most of it was during, during the Cold War. You know, it's interesting That's to look at that. That, I mean, let's be honest. I think every you always see those interviews with ex-US presidents. The first thing they do when they become president of the United States, the first thing they do is go, so aliens, are they real? Um, yeah. <laughs> but, like, that's not where my belief system comes into because I think, yeah, 99.9% of all that is baloney. To me, it comes from the belief of there is no way in hell or high water we are the only living beings in the entire fucking universe. And it's not a, a faith thing. I'm not religious at all and any of that sort of stuff. To me, it's like... I can't fathom that we are it. We are the only well, light. Like, and I, when I say aliens, I don't necessarily mean little green men. It's There's life out there. And I hope that I live long enough to the day where, as humans, we discover that life exists outside of Earth. Even if we land on Mars and there's a worm on Mars. Like, that is amazing. So that's where I have that belief system in aliens. And I love aliens. Like, I... This is a genre of movie that I welcome love our new completely. alien overlords. Yeah, exactly. Uh, welcome on board. I want to get an alien tattoo. I, I love aliens, but <laughs> funny story. I've never seen the movie Aliens though, so I don't know why. But the point is, I believe. I believe X Files, great show. That's why you don't like David Duchovny. Clearly, um, 
I am a firm believer in aliens, and I don't believe in anything supernatural except for aliens. Yeah. Well, I, I, I will say that there was something that it was on Mars where they discovered, like in the fossils, it, it wasn't like, hey, it is an alien face, and they're holding a laser gun or something like that. But it was like the tiniest little microscopic organism, or it looked like a fossilized organism or whatever. Mm. So, possibility of life existing is one thing, but possibility that the life that exists out there has been secretly monitoring us and have yeah. the giant heads with the eyes and that they're flying UFOs yeah. extremely remote. That that That's, I mean, at one point in history, a fiction writer, was it H.G. Wells or whoever mm. came before that, um, drew a picture and that's what everyone's gone with. That That's, yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, I think if somehow human beings got that right, then fuck, we're intelligent. It's, it's like dinosaurs. Like, we love dinosaurs, but, like, mm-hmm. in all honesty... I'm sure 95% of everything that we say about dinosaurs is not true. Like, it's just oh, yeah. it's what we create to a, an illusion of what these dinosaurs are. If we went back in time and saw dinosaurs, it's not going to be, yeah, we've got skeletons of them, but it's not going to be the level of a T-Rex this and a raptor that and a brachius or whatever. So we've got to make things up. And, yeah, I'm completely on board. I don't think there's flying saucers and little green men. It's just, I mean, for all we know, there's a planet of alien rabbits that are just hopping around yeah. <laughs> and they've got like sit like who knows like i mean as i said it could literally be a worm we find on mars like it would be just amazing mm-hmm. to think that that could be discovered in uh, our lifetime or in a future lifetime that that is where i want to believe x-files uh that yeah but like, aliens fascinating that's why but- again back to seeing this movie i think is why i got drawn to it but but crop circles is another thing. And again, mm. I, I'm with you. Like I love I will watch all these documentaries and these specials on aliens, partly because, you know, I, I feel like, oh, it is easy to debunk this, but I'm not like, yeah. ah, I'm gonna debunk that. I'm like, it's it's still interesting that people see this. That that, that yeah. and it's interesting to to kind of decipher, okay, where do these experiences come from? Like you said, somebody drew a picture once upon a time that there's actually a, a podcast that uh, I, I listen oh, to. Here we go. Advertising ago. another podcast. Here. That's going to be 36 <laughs> I, I minutes in the, Colin. I, I, I wish another I, one. I wish I remember the name, but uh, what the it is, network. and it's not, it's not one of these like, Oh, we're going to go out of our way to debunk it. Like, uh, you know, very harshly, but Hey, let's look at like the reality of the most famous alien encounters and yeah. let's look at where it came from. And they'll, they'll go through like hours and hours of archival footage and interviews with like the most credible alien. And even the most credible cases of all time. They're like, you can trace it back to this psychologist. If you listen to the recordings, when they put them under hypnosis, they're asking leading questions. You know, when the descriptions come in, they always match certain movies that were out and maybe it's again in somebody's subconscious but yeah like you said that's what it is crop circles though to me is something completely different because i mean yeah. crop circles nothing it, it, it literally has been debunked it, the people have come forward in years since and been like yeah we did this and it's this whole mystery of well how did you do this and then people have lived this movie addresses that which i like uh they eventually get to the point where it's like hey this can all be done with boards and rope in one night there's, and but they are fascinating though, because like I used to read a lot of books. Yes, that's right, I read books. Um, and on aliens and that, and the crop circles. But it's, crop circles have never been a thing that I believe in. Although there are certain things which I think become mysterious, at, even with explanations. Like there was a, there was one in Australia which I still think is there, and I think it was in like the nineties it came about. It was called the Mari Man. It was like in the desert, and basically it was this giant image of like a an Aboriginal man. And I don't know, he's holding a boomerang or something like that. But this was like kilometers long. And it wasn't just like a crop circle, you know. And like, I think to this day, it's still never been um, worked out how it was done. 
Um, and it's just like this insane image. I have to send you the link of it. And like that just baffles everyone how they did this. Cause even then they're like, Oh, some person's driven around it and shaped this out and blah, blah. But they're like, well, there's no tire tracks. There's no this, how they've done this. So yeah. things like that, like fascinating. I'm not saying it's aliens, but like, it's, it's, it's something that like, it's but incredible. It's definitely to think aliens. It's, it's definitely aliens. <laughs> um, but yeah, like crop circles. Yeah. Obviously been debunked. Um, but I mean, I think one thing I'll say in this movie that they do well is, you know, they, they, they say this, like this is how it's been debunked, all this kind of stuff. But one thing I'll just kind of moving forward with this movie, but not, it's like how all the stuff that happens in this movie kind of doesn't just happen in America. Like yeah. even these crop circles that are appearing in rural Pennsylvania, um, you know, all the stuff we hear is happening in the Middle East and all these kind of places. Because isn't it always coincidental that alien abductions and attacks happen in like New Mexico or like New York? Like, you know, they just... Mm-hmm. Aliens are apparently very much knowing that America is the world's superpower, so they never go to, like, Laos or something like that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> go to Laos, aliens. It's beautiful this time of year. Um, Azerbaijan! Azerbaijan. But, like, and I actually I saw one criticism of this movie where they were basically saying, like, oh, you know, why are all the aliens going to all these other places when clearly, you know, the media should be all around Mel Gibson's farm because of the aliens and the crop circles are here. <laughs> It's actually said clear as day in this movie that he doesn't want any attention made of this being near his yeah. house. So, therefore, no, that's why no media or no anything is happening near his house because he's kept it quiet. So, mm-hmm. uh, just jumping in. I, I don't know where we're at. We're talking about crop circles. but um, Just crop. Yeah. I, I, also, I love how I read a thing saying M. Night Shyamalan and Ding Dong uh, wanted to do all this practically because he doesn't like special effects. So, that yeah. alien later on. I mean, God, I'm glad he got a real alien. A real good. Yeah. <laughs> He knows they exist. <laughs> um, so with the crop circle, like you said, I mean, it's not even just, oh, he doesn't want the attention. They blow this off. That's why I kind of mentioned the whole thing about crop circles uh, being exposed as hoaxes and everything. Because by the time this movie came out, the mystery of crop circles was over and done with. It was like, if you had done this 10 years earlier, it's still, oh, the mystery of crop circles. But you do this in the late 90s, early 2000s. And everybody knows crop circles were a bunch of nerds who couldn't get girlfriends and <laughs> boards and ropes. So Nothing wrong with nerds who can't get girlfriends. Noah is a good <laughs> co-host of the show and contributes a lot. Well, but the, the first thing that happens is we have um, uh, President Taylor showing up, uh, one of the only other stars in this movie. I and mean, this movie has, I think, seven actors who have speaking roles for more than like one scene. You have like a Three couple women. people in the town. Over the, th- three women? <laughs> yes. Well, I there's mean, a, the woman men. on the news, I guess, so... Yeah, so four men, so uh, it's pretty even. But uh, equality was strong in two thousand and two. There's more than four men. Well, well, there's Mel Gibson, there's Rory Culkin, Joaquin Phoenix, and then there's real soda guy. I guess Lionel Pritchard and the army guy and the other. Oh, and I forgot. Yeah, it's equal. Yeah, whatever. Cool. Yep. It's pretty close. Anyways, (laughs) we're we're already getting on two thousand and twenty two agendas here. We got to have an equal number of men and women in the movie, Uh, but. what, what what I like here, they mentioned the first thing. Oh, this must have been Lionel Pritchard and the Wolfington Brothers. I just love those names. Lionel Pritchard and the Wolfington Brothers. Sounds like a band. <laughs> like Highway Lionel Pritchard and the Wolfington Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and we will be opening for Fatty Esther tonight. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they immediately explain away. It's like, yeah, this is a prank. They're not even thinking, oh, this is like some massive hoax. They're not thinking... This is aliens. It's like, yeah, it's Lionel Pritchard and the Wolfinger Brothers. 
Um, President Taylor here, Cherry Jones. Uh, glad she has an R in her name. We can't screw that one up. Uh, I love her going on this rant. Uh, uh, some people say M.I. Shyamalan's a bad writer. I think this is his best script he ever wrote because A, it does two things. One, he has a lot of like really clever dialogue and really smart dramatic scenes in this movie. It's not just, oh, I can create like a mood and atmosphere and then have scares. Uh, but there's also a lot of humor in this movie. And like Cherry Jones' little speech here about, who is it, Mrs. Kindleman or something like that? Uh, it's like, Mrs. Kindleman, they found a kid on a skateboard, and then she started spitting on all the skateboards everywhere. It's just spit flat. Like, she's going on and on about this story. I'm like, this is fantastic. I want to see that scene. Um, we uh, we have the first bit of uh, she's coming in to kind of take their statements about the contaminated water. Uh, Abigail Breslin, it's like, it's contaminated. It's, uh, uh, that's just the running thing with her character in this movie, which I'm talking about good writing. I mean, good directing, too the way M. Night Shyamalan sets up these things where you're like, this is just a funny quirk. And I think his increase of comedy in this movie, you know, not like ha 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 comedy, but like, oh, that's clever comedy. Uh, like the the old the visual, the old lady spitting on skateboards, it distracts you from these other quirky things like, oh, it's got amoebas in it. Oh, it's, it's dusty. Uh, it distracts you from that because some of these things are actually going to be surprised later on. He doesn't go full six sense twist in this movie his twist is slightly different his twist is just whoa i never saw that coming uh we get uh the dog growling outside um uh, houdini one of their two dogs houdini and isabel there we go equal equal gender split between male and female dogs here houdini and isabel split uh that's a reference <laughs> to M. Night landing split <laughs> and also another uh, I guess uh, inspiration for the film split later on when they're going over the, the stalks of corn, like look at how it's bent so perfectly. The stocks are not split. They didn't split the stocks of corn. They just bent it. How and is I've this got possible? A sixth sense that that village yeah. over there <laughs> might be happening soon. And if the world ends after earth is over, I have plans to have spaghetti and mashed potatoes, celebratory dinner. And, and then, uh, I will be the last person to bend air when I'm old. <laughs> Which is an unbreakable hey. fact. <laughs> I'm shamalang a ding dong. Um, I had another one, but I lost it. <laughs> we ran through his filmography, I think. Uh, <laughs> Cherry one we Jones. <laughs> Morel Gibson. Rory Krulkin. Morel Gibson. Morel Gibson, <laughs> Abigail Breslin <laughs> in Shrines, <laughs> Baileyans, <laughs> James Warner, uh, uh, Newton Howard, <laughs> Newton Howard, <laughs> different men. <laughs> oh, they all look alike. They're all white men, right? Tell me none of them are black. I'm just not being racist. <laughs> There's no black composers in Hollywood. Hollywood's still racist. What am I talking about? They're all white men. Come on. Uh, let's uh, let's get back to the movie here. <laughs> okay. Careful. Max Dawson will tweet you out about being racist. I was going to say Max Dawson. Careful, Ben. But, uh, you know, Max, you know what Max Dawson is in this movie? Contaminated water. That's what he is. <laughs> it's, he's Max Dawson. He's Lionel Pritchard and the Wolfington Brothers. That's who he is. <laughs> I've got a picture of Lionel Pritchard and the Wolfgang Brothers, just like Max Dawson and three little Max Dawsons running around the town, everyone hating them, getting spat on on skateboards. 
Uh, Cherry Jones does say here that uh, the animals have acted, a lot of animals are acting weird or whatever. Uh, and uh, we also have, I, I just love the, the weird delivery in this movie where she mentions some of the, she calls him father. And I think this is the first time we have that reference. Like, oh, this guy used to be a reverend. He goes, I can't remember what her name is. Uh, President Taylor, stop calling me father. And she's like, stop calling me president. <laughs> but uh, this is where we have the, the next stream and uh, the dog. Poor Houdini is stabbed by Rory Culkin. This is a dark kid. This is the kid who belongs with David Koresh. He kills a dog with a barbecue spork. <laughs> Which I'm going to ask, like, I mean, there's honestly, like, when I was watching this movie, like, we always nitpick about things, but there's really, and we say this now, in 10 minutes time, we'll be finding everything to nitpick, but I honestly can't think of many things to nitpick about this movie. There's one here where it's like, when he gets there and he's like, I can't hear my children. It's like, okay, well, they're not running around playing furry furry rabbit and being happy, but, like, <laughs> would he not hear a dog about to attack a child? Wouldn't he, like, row, 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 like, this is the quietest murder of a dog I've ever seen. And, like, they're so calm about this. Like, I, I know, like, animals have been acting weird. But, like, he's a religious man. And he's all just like, oh, well, killed a dog. Whatever. Let's let's move on. Like, isn't this how serial killers start? Don't they start killing <laughs> dogs? Like, if Casper, like, don't you have, like, a you, do you have ferrets or rats? You've got some guinea pigs, uh, don't you? Or, hamster. Thank you. I got there eventually. Like, if all of a sudden you walked into a room and Casper's got a fork oh. stabbed through your hamster and he's like... He was about to attack me. I like you'd be fucking freaked <laughs> yeah. out. Like if my nephew Link or or niece Avison, I babysat them the other week. If I walked in and this cat my dad's looking after at the moment, it was dead on the floor, and Link's holding a fork on to try to attack Avison. I'm like, <laughs> I'm calling your mum, and I'm getting the fuck out of this house. I've seen how this movie starts. Yeah. Right? I'm not. <laughs> you're my nephew. I love you to bits, but no, I'm fucking free. I'm not dying here today. <laughs> like, get out. <laughs> Yeah, like this is the omen. Uh, but no, it's funny story here. Funny story, Ben. Casper uh, actually has tried to do that to the hamster. Now, I will say <laughs> it was. Of course he has. Your children it, he, are demons. He was, he was like a year and a half, maybe. And uh, it, it wasn't like a real fork and knife. It was like a, it was like a toy. You know, you get like toy cutlery. They yeah. have so it was like a toy <laughs> knife, and he was sticking it in the bars of the cage, trying to poke the hamster. I'm like, no, no, Casper, don't do that. But I'm like, I, I as soon as you said that, I'm like, I remember him stabbing it with a knife, but he never actually got oh, near the hamster, and it was a toy knife. But still, I think every episode we we gonna rip shit into Max Dawson and also find out what demonic things Colin's children <laughs> have done this week: eating their own shit, trying to stab their <laughs> hamster. <laughs> Like, so we really want to eat his poo. Yeah. Uh, Casper kills hamsters. What is, is Casey just the good Casey, child? He, no, he is, he's the one who's hitting people over the head with spatulas or, <laughs> or uh, giant soup ladles. <laughs> I'm so glad I've only ever met Casper. Like, I can't imagine what your house is like at the moment. Well, I'll, 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 I'll say this. I, I guarantee anybody out there with, uh, it doesn't even have to be boys, but three kids probably has experienced this. My brother, if he's listening, he's got four girls. I, I he's uh, he's had horror stories with his four girls that like would terrify me. I, um, and, and you're gonna say, oh, the cell just runs in the Hilding family. <laughs> no, all... no, I'm not gonna say that. I, I'm literally like, I I I, I want to take this moment to commend you for being a father, your brother, <laughs> your Jamie. For like, honestly, like I went to a game of football today. So many things were against me at this game. I was seeing the team that I hate the most in the AFL. I was in the city I hate most on this planet, Launceston. Uh, I was in a terrible stadium. And then I was surrounded by children. And 
I like tell I'm not a dad because like I do not understand why a people bring children to sporting matches when they don't sit down and watch the sport. They just run around and be little fucking shits and run around and like I'm sitting and trying to watch the game and they're surrounding me. If I had a trip one of those children and gone like, shut the fuck up, Johnny, I'm watching the football, I would have been a monster. Meanwhile, that kid can run around and throw shit at the other kid and not even watch the fucking game. Tell you now, if I have children one day, God help the planet, that kid is going to fucking <laughs> sit on his ass and he's going to watch the fucking football. And I don't want to hear this, oh, you can never control your children when you take... That kid is going to be on a leash. It is going to be glued to that seat. And I'm like, no, watch the football. I paid like $30 for a ticket for you. I spent $100 on a jersey for you. You will fucking enjoy that fucking game until I fucking say so. I'm not angry at these children today at all. Uh, I have another story with uh, Casper. Yesterday, he he we think may have broken our dishwasher. Uh, <laughs> did he so, get in it and try and stab it with a fork? Actually, yeah. We just heard the bang of the <laughs> actually, dishwasher. Actually, you did, we come, Ben. <laughs> we come in there, and he's like, oh, no, I fell down, hurt my leg. And we see the dishwasher's, like, all bent out of, like, whatever is, like, screwed in. The brackets that are holding it inside, you know, the, the cupboard space are, like, bent, and it's, like, leaning forward now. We think he was either trying to sit on the dishwasher while it was open or he accidentally fell either way jamie was very angry at him i took him upstairs to his room and i tend to be the calmer parent uh where i'll be like no sit down let me talk to you but like i was heated but but heated for me was actually a very funny conversation because i wasn't thinking i wasn't like trying to be funny or anything like that i I had him upstairs in his room and i'm trying to talk he's like daddy you go outside and he's pointing and he's like get out of my room and i'm like no i'm not getting out i'm like i'm staying right here he goes you go outside you go out and i'm like hey i paid for this room (laughs) i'm like i paid for every room in this house if you can find a room in this house that you paid for, you go there right now. I started like all of a sudden arguing economics with this kid about who's paying the mortgage. I'm like, great, I'm not dad now. Basically what we're trying to say is that sweatshops should be thing again. Uh, bring back sweatshops yes. and child labour. <laughs> and secondly, children are fucking stupid. Don't have them. They, they kill things like, like they, dogs. They do. Uh, Yet if you kill a child, that's wrong. So, I mean, like, where's the fairity and equality in that? All right? Oh, little Johnny killed someone. Oh, bless his little heart. You killed little Johnny. You're a demon. Go to jail. Little Johnny deserved to die. He's a little shit. He's the Max Dawson of humans. I know Max Dawson will have some opinions on this. Children are the Max Dawson of humans. (laughs) Simple. Um. Famous last words. This won't take us long. It's all jump scares. <laughs> but uh, so the dog's dead. Rory Culkin killed the dog because it was going to kill Bo. It was going to kill Bo. Right, Bo? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is this the only death in the movie? Uh, yes. Yeah. I was thinking I mean, on about screen, this. They say a lot of people died, but that's yeah. just an off-camera thing. But it's, it's like I was thinking about that. Like it's a movie kind of like a end of the worldish type movie but yeah. i mean even the alien at the, i mean i guess the alien kind of dies but i mean we see it kind yeah. of breathing on the floor so i mean whether it's dead or not but um mm-hmm. yeah poor rip rip, rip doggy hi doggy you dead hi doggy <laughs> Uh, we have the, when he's explaining the story we have the asthma inhaler so we know this kid has asthma that might come no. back later uh, and then we why have. It, why, sorry to interrupt again, but like, just this again. Oh, I'm not going to criticize anything. But oh, child has a disease trope. What was um Greenland? <laughs> what do they have? Diabetes yeah. or something? There, we've got to go back. Yeah. Like, can I just have a movie where a child doesn't have a disease for once? Children I are mean, a disease. They don't need movie. to have diseases. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, now we have uh, 
after the initial thing of the crop circles and the dogs going crazy is done, we have probably, I'm going to say the most famous line of dialogue from this movie, uh, uh, which was played in every trailer, every TV yeah. spot. And the delivery of this, like proof that like, and let's not give all the credit to uh, Abigail Breslin here. M. Night Shyamalan, I mean, this is a guy who made his career off directing children to be very, very eerie and very, very unsettling, not creepy. Mean, directing? But like, this is just children. Again, they're demons. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> he's not a good director. This is just how children act normally. <laughs> but like the way that like Melkin just wakes up and you have Abigail Breslin just staring directly into the camera. It's like, there's a monster outside my room. May I have a glass of water? Like completely monotone. the monotone that really makes that. I love that line. Uh, and uh, he, this is where they go outside and they're like, oh, there actually is something out there because he spots the shadow on the top of the barn or whatever. And obviously we know that's going to be the first alien in the movie. Nope has a very clever way of playing up on this scene. Uh, when, whenever you do get to see Nope, there's kind of like a bit of a nod to this and it, it's mostly meant to mess with the audience. I think it's meant to be like, everybody's going to think this movie's like signs, but then you see it and it's like, no, we're going to do something different. But uh, I like that they, that this still has uh, um, some influence 20 years later. Uh, so he wakes up um, Meryl, it's Joaquin Phoenix. And he's, the first thing he says is, Lionel Pritchard and the Wolfington brothers are back. <laughs> Of course, it's got to be them standing on the barn. Uh, and this is <laughs> now I'm, I'm very torn on the comedy in this movie because sometimes it's like, yeah, that's it's really funny. But then sometimes it's like that. That's like it, it, it's 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 not natural. But that's kind of the point of this scene. It's like it's not natural. It's always, you got to act crazy. You got to You got to curse. You got to you got to make them and make them think that you're, you're about to kill something or whatever. And, uh, and uh, the way that Mel gives to explain crazy, explain this and. It, it just results in Mel Gibson. Like it is, it's, it's very, even for Mel Gibson's character, it seems very unrealistic where he's running out of screen. I am insane with anger, but like, I love it. I don't care that this is so dumb and that it's so unrealistic that this is his idea of being scared. Him running, I'm insane with anger. <laughs> I, I just, I almost in tears still 20 years later. Again, watching not this Mel episode. Gibson acting. That's when that whole getting in yeah, trouble exactly. with the pot thing. That's they, exactly what they, he did. They he had to cut out the bit about, the Jews hitting call up his wife threatening to kill him but this it was very very good energy like, it's like i'm insane with anger go back to auschwitz um like that's basically what he was saying he's like whoa yeah. mel the reason, calm down the, re- the reason morgan killed that dog was because his dad warned him off pack of dogs his whole life but he's like i yeah. was talking about it Different type of pack of dogs. Um, we'll Literally, Mel Gibson that in that scene was edited out. Was like, was that dog Jewish? Good boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, it's still it's a hilarious scene. Uh, but uh, uh, the big reveal here is that that jump off of the roof, or the it, it it basically is going to mount to the next scene where um, uh, <laughs> President Taylor comes back. And uh, they're questioning about this. And and again, it's very funny. With like, it was very dark. Like, okay, so. Do you have a description? Were they short? Were they tall? Uh, not short. So you say they're tall? Yeah, pretty tall. It was very dark. Like that line is very dark. Just keeps coming back over and over again. It, what is it from Spider-Man where they do that? Um, there's something in uh, Spider-Man where, where you keep having that same line over and over again. Now I can't remember what it is. Uh, I can picture Tobey Maguire having like one of these. With great power comes dark. great responsibility. Uh, yeah, yeah no, I, I, I know what you're talking about, uh, but I can't yeah. remember it either. Yeah. 
Let me just go uh, watch it. Just pause. So I'll go watch Spider-Man and we'll come back in about <laughs> two hours and I'll tell you the joke, shall I? <laughs> Uh, but she, um, uh, she's basically trying to say like, how do you know it was a guy? And you're like, well, why is she thinking some of these women in the Olympics? Like, this is again, one of these, like, it, it's kind of funny, but you know, it goes somewhere. Uh, I've seen these high jumpers. There's this one Scandinavian woman. And then you got this great Joaquin Phoenix line here. Aside from female Olympic Scandinavian high jumpers, any other ideas what this could be? She basically says, okay, well, there was some crazy woman in town who was spitting on skateboards. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, Mrs. Kindleman or whatever. Uh, it, again, everything in this movie is trying to explain away. It's like, it can't be aliens. It, it's it's solidifying that. Uh, we, we have her mentioning to the kids about the baby monitor uh, that could be used as a walkie-talkie. Uh, Abigail Breslin keeps uh, coming uh, into the room. It's like, where's the remote? And it's like, uh, I don't know. Look uh, under the couch. I didn't find it under the couch. I don't know. Change on the TV. I did, but it's all the same show. And then it's like, whoa, what do you mean all the same show? Everyone runs in there in these crop circles ever. And this whole kind of question, if there's anything I'm going to question the movie, it's the fact that this massive amount of crop circles, which they only circle on India. I don't know if, I can't remember if they mentioned it's happening everywhere in the world, but like, is every channel going to be like crop yeah. circles have appeared everywhere in the world. It's still going to be like, well, these, this is interesting. This might make the six o'clock news. But it's not going to be not breaking news. Yeah. yeah. We, we will return you to Blue's Clues later. Right now, kids, <laughs> we're going to talk to you about crop circles. Blue's Clues. <laughs> Classic show. Coming soon to the Oz uh, Network. <laughs> it might be. I mean, that's going to be the next movie Casper is going to want to review, the Blue's Clues movie coming soon. It's a winner! <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee we'll have to do something on Blue's Clues. If anybody heard our review of the Jamie and I did of Nope as well, Jamie somehow started singing the Blue's Clues theme song without realizing it. And so... What is the Blue's yeah, Blue, Clues theme song? Blue's Clues, Blue's Clues. Of course it is. <laughs> We're going to find another paw print. That's the second clue. I know it by heart. Of course I do. Uh, <laughs> if you had I, children, I just, you also would know it by heart. No, well, I'm glad I don't have children because I don't have to watch shit shows like that. Like, I've got... <laughs> I've got children's shows that I used to like as a kid on my computer, like Are Real Monsters and Cat Dog, like good shows, not fucking Blue's Clues. Round the twist uh, well, for our Australian <laughs> listeners. Great show. Spellbinder? I'll, 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 I'll cap it off here before we start getting into town because uh, the opening stuff with the crop circles and then the, the Lionel Pritchard and the Wolf and your brothers, Scandinavian woman high jumping. Uh, that's kind of just the setup of the movie. After this, it's going to kind of get a little bit bigger. It's interesting you say some of it doesn't feel natural because one thing to me, this whole movie, it just everyone, like the main four are very likable and I feel like it's all very natural. And I think what we praise Greenland for was that it was kind of, I mean, we like this type of end of the world style movie where it's told from the perspective. It's not all, I mean, yeah, okay, there's breaking news in this, but it's done still from a perspective of the person. It's not a an independence day where we're seeing everything, you know, from the global perspective, it's, it's purely from the survivor's perspective of it. And I always like a movie like that. And I just, there's so much of this that I feel is very natural, even though like it maybe be a bit cheesy, but I gotta say Cherry Jones. Um, I remember obviously from this movie, I think when she was in 24, I was like, Oh my God, she's a woman from signs. But yeah, did we know she was in Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood? We're gonna do uh, that now. Come yeah, wait, on now. So we, whoa, whoa, we, 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 we've got three now. We've got we've got Divine Sisters of the Yaya Hack Yakhood. Uh, we have <laughs> uh, How to Make an American Quilt, and we've got Mona Lisa Smile. We need one more for like Sisterhood of Traveling Pant Pants. Yeah, the- <laughs> <laughs> the R's. Can't speak English today. Um, 
But fun fact, I didn't realize this. She was um, in a relationship with Sarah Paulson for like five yeah. years. I can't. I now know Sarah Paulson is with um, uh, uh, Holland Taylor. But like, wow, that's a couple. I wish I had been aware of my love of Sarah Paulson in the 2000s. That's a power couple right there. Sarah Paulson and Cherry Jones. Yes, please. Um, second best president on 24, popular or unpopular opinion? Uh, I would say popular. I mean, well, second, okay, best character, because we know that Logan is number one, yeah. but he's 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 well, not going to be the most popular. I mean, like, yeah. You're going like, to say yeah. Palmer over Logan? Oh, Palmer's number, Palmer comes out i mean palmer's a shit president but like it's, he's palmer he's huggy bear you know <laughs> i don't know I, I i think i think you do separate them because logan is bad president or whatever but i mean logan is the best character in the history of 24 maybe download our 24 character we're obviously uh getting closer to logan uh he'll yeah. be president about a season but we're, we're still a fair while away from uh from cherry jones being in it but i she i think she won an emmy did she not for 24 uh she got nominated a couple of times but um yeah, I, I like Cherry Jones. She's just one of these actresses which she pops up every now and then. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. love her in 24. She did. She won Outstanding Sporting Actress in a Drama Series to 24 in 2009. And also, uh, she won a Emmy for Guest Actress in The Handmaid's Tale and Guest Actress in Succession, which everybody keeps telling me to watch. So she's still acting. I just Jamie, don't watch it. Jamie loves The Handmaid's Tale. I've, I've seen like two episodes of it. Two-time Tony Award winner for Doubt and the Heiress. Oh, what a woman. Cherry Jones month coming soon to the Oz Network. Where is <laughs> Cherry Jones and Renee Russo have ever been together? Now, there's a combination. But I I, I love her her first appearance. She just She's in the door. And Mel Gibson, oh, good of you to show up. I only called you two hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> but then but like, I just love the way she just doesn't even go like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. She just literally starts going into this story. <laughs> it's like... I'm calling her maybe the most inept police officer since like the LAPD in 24 or like the Miami police in Nip Tuck because she just going on about this story. She walks around and goes like, oh yeah. And then she's going to give freaking Rory Culkin an old walkie talkie. And then she's going on with this story about Scandinavian high jumpers being <laughs> a bit racist when she's like some out of town woman with a weird accent was in here the other day. Yeah. Could have been her. <laughs> Um, and then I do love, like, the fact that she's literally going on about, like, well, it could have been a woman. I've seen Scandinavian high jumpers jump that high. <laughs> and then Mikey Phoenix has got a pretty solid reaction of, like, okay, well, excusing the fact it might be a Scandinavian Olympic high jumper, <laughs> could there be? And then Cheryl Jones is like, there's no need for sarcasm. Uh, like, I'm doing my job. And it's like, whoa. Well, but But how great is it, though, that, like, she moves on and then it's like, a minute later, he goes, okay, I apologize about the Scandinavian yeah. Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like, it's, I'm glad you mentioned the humor because this movie's actually quite funny. Like, it's actually, yeah. but like, it's, and it's done in a way where it's not like, and here you go, Ben bags out, die another day again. It's not jinx, doom, doom, funny. <laughs> it's just like, it's passing conversation funny. It's This is the type of humor which Marvel tries to do and have just overdone. It's kind of like a quirky little bit here and there. Um, but it's just, I love all this setup, and I love them all around the table. And obviously we hear about Meryl. Why is his name Meryl? Like Meryl Streep, great name. But well, like- why is, why is his name Morgan? Why is her name Bo? Like it's, it's kind of, uh, they all other than Graham have, that's not the type of name you'd expect. Rural Pennsylvania names. I've been to yeah. uh, Philadelphia now, but I don't know if I really went that rural Pennsylvania. Um, the whole 
yeah, the there's a monster on my under my bed. Can I have a glass of water? I do like on the everything wrong with when they kind of mash scenes together. They mash this scene with the uh, the Lost World Jurassic Park scene when he goes, "Mom, Dad, there's a dinosaur in our backyard," and you see like the T Rex. <laughs> but like, talk about the jump scares. Like, like I've seen these movies where the jump scares are so fucking obvious. Yeah. Like the dog one when it like like that even watching this and I know it was coming it scared me because I'm like oh my god the dog's about to jump up the dog's about to jump up the alien on the roof when you see it for like two seconds I'm like oh fuck mm-hmm. like they just they actually even if you've seen this movie countless times they still give you a bit of a scare I love the insane with anger it's just funny Mel Gibson is so good in this movie <laughs> like he's so good in this movie um, has he been nominated ever for like an acting Oscar. I was thinking about that. I mean, he, obviously he got uh, director for Braveheart, but um, I, I don't think he ever got an acting nomination, uh, which is unfortunate because I think Braveheart especially, I, I, I'm not going to say Braveheart's overrated. Braveheart is a, a great movie, but it is kind of like Signs. It is a blockbuster. You know, it is not something that maybe necessarily should have won Best Picture at the Academy Awards, but I almost feel like if he hadn't directed that movie, Mel Gibson probably would have been a lock for Best Actor that year. He, yeah, no, never... For actor, he's uh, he got two Oscars for Braveheart, Best Picture and Best Director, and then was nominated for Hacksaw Ridge for Director. So yeah, never he's he's a bloody good actor, Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a thing you can get cancelled and come back again, kids. Will Smith, you're fine. You only yeah. slap someone. You didn't go off about their religion or whatever else Mel Gibson did. What did he do? I can't even remember. He got recorded calling. Cops and with his wife, there was some racist comments. And yeah, Bad. towards Jewish and black people. Yeah, Not good. See, see, Max Dawson, stop wasting your time on me and fucking tweet about <laughs> Mel Gibson, somebody who actually has said Wait, racist comments. Come on. Yeah, but but that's what he's doing. It's just you're the one to blame for everything that exactly. other people say. That's apparently, right, I forgot. Like. <laughs> Ben, ben I was doesn't the one say did anything bad. He's just the fall guy for no exactly. one. No <laughs> I mean, like, let's be honest, though, Colin. We're not actually here right now because we were cancelled, according to Max Dawson. So <laughs> we're actually not on air. This is we're like aliens. We don't exist. This is all an illusion. You have to be something in order to be cancelled. That's just <laughs> for Max Dawson up there. If he, he will never be cancelled. <laughs> Again, Corinne carried that show, Max. Like I'm telling you now. Like, Corinne could have done a show with me and it still would have had listeners because everyone <laughs> likes Corinne because she's great and funny and he's good at Survivor. That's right, Paul Luttrell. She's good at Survivor. Veto, we're not putting her up. <laughs> God. God, there's another one for the, the flashback thing. Anyway, point Why can't we cancel Paul? You want to cancel somebody, Max? Cancel Paul. I think Paul Nobody has been cancelled. <laughs> when was the last time we heard from Paul? I think he was on my brink podcast 100th episode a couple of years ago um <laughs> and he did the redux of the survivor rankings that we did remember that? oh yeah that. that's right he's the only yeah. one who wanted to come back <laughs> and everyone went off because no i love oh god here we go ben rants at the the fans of survivor oz <laughs> everybody goes off at me and that oh these are crap because noah wasn't even available or colin wasn't available <laughs> it's like I, are we literally scheduled with noah like 50 times and every time he couldn't do it. I'm like, okay, send me your rankings. Oh, I'm not busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. It got to the point where I'm like, fuck this shit. Colin, send me your rankings. Kate, I think, has died. We haven't heard from her in a while. And no, I'm, I'm done. And then we still got into trouble for doing it. Can't win. Uh, I'm just going to change my name to Rob Sestanino and then we might be liked. So it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm not bitter. I'm okay. 
right. But this is great. I'm insane with anger. This is me. I'm Mel Gibson. I'm running around the house. I'm insane with anger. <laughs> That's literally me whenever I get a comment, something to do with Survivor Oz on the internet, try to explain it, and I still get ripped a new one. I'm insane with anger. <laughs> That just needs to be your reply to everything from now on. I'm insane with anger. <laughs> but I like I I love like I can we I'm sure we'll talk about the criticism of the big twist at the end because it annoys me that people rip into this movie for the the yeah. plot twist which they think is so stupid. Another thing I I think it was the everything wrong with video pointing out the little things that they think are shit. The fact of the matter here, they're saying like, oh, they shove it down your throat, the glasses of water. We get it. They're going to be important later on in the movie. I remember watching this for the first time, never yeah. at all thinking these glasses of water were going to mean something later on. And even now, exactly. knowing that they're like, I don't think they're shoved down your throat. I think the things that are obvious later on are subtle. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it is as like, even this bit here, which is, oh, you can listen to an old baby monitor if you like. Um, like, I just, I don't think it's that in your face and like obvious. Um, but yeah, I, I think I kind of like this bit where they're all like, you know, take them into town, get their mind off things. Cause I think this, the one thing that it does well is, well, many things it does well is you would be kind of be a bit consumed with this. If all of a sudden you woke up tomorrow and there was something in your backyard that all of a sudden everyone was in the world and something to do with that. And you're going to be a bit freaked out. You're like, Oh God. And I did see a thing on my roof and like, fuck. So I'm sure you would be like, Oh, let's go this to the This explains bookstore. my children. Exactly. Get Casper a fork. <laughs> we'll go to the bookstore. But um, yeah, like I, I think everything here is just great. And again, we're going long on certain things. But again, we're not really nitpicking anything when it comes to things. A couple of minor bits here and there. But uh, yeah. And Cherry Jones, make her a thing. Just saying. Make her yes. more of a thing. Uh, now, the trip into town is uh, is really fun. <laughs> we get this only section of the movie where you get a lot of other characters. Uh, we, we have three or four new characters get introduced just for this one sequence here. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the first guy, this is the bookstore guy where he's just going on around. It's like, you know what these things are? It's all to sell sodas. Since this news coverage started, I have seen 11 soda commercials. <laughs> and then we get it later on. We're just out of nowhere. You hear in the background screaming, aha, 12. And then you see like, buy new Buzz Cola. <laughs> Uh, so, so we get the kids at the bookstore. We get uh, Mel Gibson trying to get the asthma medication from the pharmacy girl. And then we get uh, Joaquin Phoenix with the army recruiter and all these characters like so like, again, this movie is is funny without being obviously funny. Um, I, I, we also get uh, Lionel Pritchard. I don't know if they, they, he does reference him as being Lionel here, this other guy at the Army recruiting office. Yeah, I didn't realize it actually was him, but where are the Wolfington brothers? Uh- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They've already been shipped overseas. <laughs> but, like, why is Lionel – if this guy's that bad of a guy, why is he – he's not just there, hey, can I – like, Joaquin, can I have a pamphlet? Uh, he is actually signing paperwork. Like, I am joining the Army Reserve. Like, which is this a, is which the is- guy – which I also love the everything wrong with point out a very good fact here. Who is this guy here to rip shit into Joaquin Phoenix by saying like you're a class A screw up because you couldn't make it the pros? You're literally sitting there with your bummy old leather jacket from the 80s signing up for the army, Mr. Lionel Pritchard. Like, yeah. who are you to talk? Loser. Hanging out with the Not saying if you join the army, you're a loser. Thank you for serving your country, whichever country you serve. But it's, you know... I, love, I just want to point out, this guy in the Army Recruiting Office may be my favourite random character of the movie. I love this guy. Oh, really? <laughs> he's so weird. He's just sitting there and he's just like, you know what they're doing, see? They're coming here to invade the planet, see? It's a reconnaissance mission. They're just sending people here to scout the area. And then they're doing it. 
Can you play baseball? Why don't you have women licking your toes? Like, it's, just, it's so random. I love this guy. Yeah, well, and this is, again, I'm going to say the strength of the movie. When you have people saying like, oh, this is so obvious. It's just like you have people nowadays who are maybe like Ben. It's like, oh, I saw that twist in The Sixth Sense coming. I'm not saying that you didn't, but I'm also saying that when you have had so many people talk about a twist, that's Mm. what you're looking for. Like when you're there opening day of The Sixth Sense, like maybe your mom was, you don't necessarily think there's going to be a twist to this movie. It's going to catch you more off guard us seeing this movie for the first time. I mean, the reason that you don't suspect the glasses of water are going to come into play, the asthma, the baseball is going to come into play is because there's a lot of random information thrown in here for no reason. Like a lady spinning on skip skateboards and <laughs> uh, uh, the, the dogs going crazy, which really, I mean, the, the animals going crazy, if anything, that's what they keep trying to hammer home and it doesn't play mm. a part. And maybe that's why I actually kind of like this uh, never really explained thing about Bo having dreams because if there's anything that's, that's in there to make you think, oh, this is going to lead somewhere, it's that. So M. Night Shyamalan has filled this movie with things where you're like, ooh, that's going to lead somewhere, and it actually doesn't. So that it almost hides the things like the home run record and the glasses of water, uh, where if you're not looking for a twist, if you've seen this movie with zero expectations, you're going to be a little bit caught off guard. And then it's just also the random characters like this. Like, this guy is completely crazy, this army recruiting officer, but that's also why it works when he starts giving the information about they're sending in recon groups. And uh, and then when he starts talking about the, the home run record and all that, uh, and yet Lionel Wolfington basically downplaying, is like, oh, yeah, he also had the strikeout record. You're thinking these are just weird, kooky characters, so you're not realizing they're giving you exposition. They're giving you information that's going to pay off later on. Uh, and that's, what I think, why it works. Uh, and, and also just, you know, Meryl just downplaying. It's like, yeah, it felt wrong not to swing. Like that's going to be important later on. But right here, it just feels like a cool character moment. Like, yeah, this is who this guy is. He's the guy that's like, I don't care how far the ball is away. I'm going to try to hit a home run every single time. Which I'm no baseball expert, but if this guy can actually hit it far every now and then, why isn't he in the pros? Like this is... Um, well, because of the strikeout record. Well... Fulton Reed in the Mighty Ducks, one out of five, <laughs> but they still fucking and use the guy. And he made it to the pros, right? And he made it to the Junior Peewee Championships of Minnesota. <laughs> like, I mean, again, I'm no expert, but, like, surely, like, they can use this guy as, like, a pinch hitter or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah you know, and, like, I'm sure a pitcher throwing to him knows that he's always going to swing at it no matter what. So, I don't know. I just feel like if this guy's so good when he actually hits it, he might be useful every now and then. Like, I, I don't know. Well, but, I mean, they, they kind of address it where they say he was in the minor leagues and they're like, well, why yeah. didn't you ever make it to the pros? And then that's where Lionel says, uh, oh, it's because of his strikeout record, which I would get. I mean, you could have somebody with all the talent in the world, but having the strikeout record and the fact that, that he basically says it felt wrong not to swing, that says you're not listening to the coaches. The coaches tell you, don't swing it every time. You know, you're, you're costing us the game. It, it would make sense to like, we can't coach this guy. You know, he's not going to yeah. go anywhere. And we also don't know. I mean, it, they never say, Lionel says, oh, the reason he didn't make it to the pros is because of this. But do they, do they have the date on there? Because uh, he said, that's where he says here, I have the bat at home when he had that home run record or whatever. Because maybe it was something where, he decided not to play baseball anymore because his brother needed him. And he's just not going to say that in front of a bunch of strangers. Maybe that's a good point. Um, yeah. I don't know. I I'm trying to see if that you can see it in, I mean, cause there's like a plaque underneath it, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a good point, but like, I mean, it's, 
this is where it annoys me when people will criticize and complain about certain things like this because again this is another one it's like oh this is so obvious because there's going to be a baseball on the wall and it's going to be such an obvious plot point what's like, this is a passing conversation. I'm not, I don't, like, as you said, like, I don't go into every movie and go, oh, they mentioned that he played baseball at the 32-minute yeah. <laughs> mark. Better remember that an hour later. Like, I mean, it just, it doesn't always have to be there. You can have this Did- thing called character development to give them just a mm-hmm. little bit of background, which just gets you to know them a little bit better. It doesn't Everything doesn't have to come full circle. If anything, when things come full circle, I think that's a better thing. It's not shoved down your yeah. throat and obvious. Have we ever talked about the Bone Collector with Denzel Washington, Angelina Jolie? I can't remember I if you said you liked that movie. I've never seen it. I remember that Trent okay, Queen. Good. Remember him? He uh, used to love I bet that you movie. He loved it. He did. He used to love oh, that movie. Trent but I never Queen. watched it. Well, he is I'm, the I'm Max Dawson of my friends. <laughs> But uh, that was sort of like the, I'm trying to think what really started with like Big Twist. Maybe it was like The Usual Suspects and Seven. Those movies both came out at the same time. And that's sort of when the the 90s craze of we need like a big plot twist on the end started to come in. And then you had movies like Scream obviously did it and The Sixth Sense. Titanic? Uh, Yeah, the big twist at the end. I didn't know the boat was going to sink. I was like, fuck. (laughs) I was enjoying this romantic cruise. That went a different direction. Wow. But uh, but it, it became, I, I guess, kind of a result of like seven in the usual suspects. You have to have a massive twist in every movie. Uh, so you have to set up a twist in order for it to be effective. Something like usual suspects. The twist is there so you can go back and rewatch the movie and you you get just as much enjoyment out of the entire movie now looking at it saying like, ooh, I actually see this here now. When do I see that here? Same thing with something like Seven. Uh, Fight Club would be another example. Hmm. Uh, the Bone Collector is an example of how people who complain about, oh, they, they, they make it so obvious. No, that's called setting it up so it pays off so it's not the Bone Collector because the Bone Collector is one of these movies where there's a big shocking twist and then it happens and you're like, okay, but that's a twist that they never actually explained or set up. So you're actually more annoyed because like, well, there's nothing to actually lead to this. So what does it mean? So even if it, it wasn't the point of this, the point of this movie that we're going to get to later on is that it's supposed to be hammered home. You're supposed to have these things where it's not just a running comment. Oh, yeah, you know, she doesn't like water. The, the twist at the end doesn't make any sense unless this is there all the time, unless she has always yeah, had this issue with water. The twist doesn't make sense unless... Um, uh, Rory Culkin has always had the asthma and if uh, Meryl has always swung it because him saying it felt wrong not to swing that's an important setup for the, the ending of the movie later so yeah who cares if they mentioned a million times and in the case of the batting they don't really mention it a million times yeah and I also think I read a, a bit that in Night Shaman said signs is obviously a reference to the crop circles but also signs to do with like the religion and everything that kind of bring him back miracle to his- faith because like i think again a complaint i saw about like the death of his wife was you know all everything that happened with the wife basically led to them saving themselves from the aliens like i mean i kind of like how that's a weird like it's yeah. sad that she died but it's kind of like a cool full circle moment where it's like without all of this sort of stuff that like maybe they would be dead because of the aliens like it's sliding doors moments these sort of things like that mm-hmm. like whether you believe in them or not, like I think it's it's done in a way which makes sense and kind of works and you watch and you go, oh, okay, yeah, I like that. Yeah, like it, it, this is, you know, getting way deeper into it, but, you know, my dad died when I was eight and it, most people will say like, oh, you know, I, I bet yeah, that that's sad or I bet that, uh, and, you know, you wish that hadn't happened. I'm like, no, 
I'm like, my life turned out okay. And I can tell you if, if he hadn't died, my life would have been completely different. So how, who am I to complain? So some things, bad things might happen that lead. That's what the point of this movie is. And bad things happen. Meryl washes out in the, the minor leagues. The wife dies, but it's all for a purpose later on. We, that's the point of this movie. It was one of the episodes that did with Lost Noah and we were talking about this. It was um like that moment. I think we called it like the sliding doors moment. Like there's a moment where... One moment in your life can potentially change everything. <laughs> you yeah. know, like you, you think of one point that, you know, something would be so different. And I've, yeah, got a couple of those. I can easily think of those. But, um, yeah, it's, it is. I, I just think it's interesting how they do that. And I think it's, it is something. And it's like you mentioned before about, like, go back and watch them a few times. And I like movies like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't. Fucking Donnie Darko and um, Eternal <laughs> Sunshines of the Spot. Oh, don't get me started. Like, why do they exist? Um, one though that I felt that way, and again I've said a lot of times that I'd like to rewatch because I didn't like it, but I think I want to give it another chance. Is American Psycho, so maybe we can do that. Oh, one Oh, love that movie! Wow, I hated yeah. it when I saw it, but now I'm thinking like, no, I was probably young and dumb at the time, so I kind of want to see it. <laughs> yeah, no, we we definitely can do American Psycho. Um, one of the, just one of the things I want to show the army recruiting officer just again the the way that Meryl like Joaquin Phoenix is maybe the most underappreciated actor in this movie. You mentioned how people don't remember him from this. He is so good in this movie and it's the little things he does, like the minute long pause before saying, okay, I apologize about the Scandinavian <laughs> high jumper comment. But it's here too, this army recruiter just goes on this rant about it. It's a recon group and the women look at the toes and blah, blah, blah. And then Joaquin Phoenix just sort of staring at him. He's like smiling and he's like, yeah. So you got like a pamphlet or something? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not paying attention to you. <laughs> just but give I me a pamphlet. This guy, this guy is so funny because like, like, I don't, like, it's just the most, I, I wonder if this was scripted or they just literally gave this guy leeway because it's the way he's like, why aren't you in the pros making stacks of cash and having your toes licked by beautiful women? Like, what even is that? Like, I mean, like, I mean, I guess you can't say having your dick sucked by beautiful. You can't say that. I get it. It's like it's a PG-13 movie yeah. probably. But, like, that's just like this guy's so creepy. He's holding his coffee cup. He's like, why don't you have your toes like my beautiful women? He's, he's destined guys from Star Wars all the time. You want to buy I'm going to go home and rethink my life. Why don't you have your toes this like is, my beautiful women? This is the nerd who can't get a girlfriend. This is him. <laughs> But like, also, I want to say the soda guy, uh, third watch actor. People listening at home, he's actually was in. The, he was a drunk guy in one of the episodes. But if people remember the episode where Carlos gets the bird. Hello, Casper. Hello, Casper. You know Put the about fuck third down. watch? Put you know where Carlos down. got the bird? <laughs> when, oh no, he's got a fork, everyone. He's got a fork. Actually, he does have something in his hand. What does he, he have? Has, in yeah, yeah, it's a pencil. <laughs> oh, he's got a pencil. Um, so okay, you be right back. Just lock the door behind you, okay? <laughs> I, I like it when they're in this bookstore and when the ad comes on and he's like thirteen, and you got that ad. Yeah. It's like, don't give me that old no soda. <laughs> that song always gets stuck in my head. And you only hear it for like three seconds. But I love the woman. And when he's like a woman, he's like, oh, do you have any books in extra stores? Oh yes, we got one of them in by mistake. Kept it for yeah, the city accident. people. <laughs> Third row, second book from the back. Like, she's a good shop owner. She knows where every book is in that store. Yeah. Um, but also, did you, did your parents or that when you're growing up go to town, have some book money? Like, you know, like have some money to go get I, something? 
Yeah, I mean, we, we every once in a while you'd go to maybe a, the store and, hey, you can each pick out a toy. And maybe once or twice we went, you can pick out a book. But uh, I mean, the bookstore is the only thing in this town. <laughs> By the looks of things, there's a, a bookstore and a pharmacy. I remember one of the, like, we always have weird memories. I remember this weird memory as a kid, one of my best memories of a, as a kid. Um, my parents, it was like a Sunday morning and they're like, Ben, we're going into the city. I'm like, all right, cool. I was like 14 or whatever. And I don't know to this day why they did it. They might have won some money and never told me. But they're like, Ben, we're going to go some shopping. You can get basically whatever you want today. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah. Like, what would you like? And I'm like, oh, I'd like a watch. All right. So they bought me a quite a nice watch. And it's like, oh, I'd like a jacket. So I got it. Oh, boy, a jacket. And like <laughs> at that point, I'd never owned a CD player. So I'm like, oh, CD player. Okay. So they bought me. So like it was just a random day where I got all this stuff bought for me. And to this Your day, dad like, there, I, let's ask him. He's, he's not. I'm home by myself. Right? That's why I'm yelling about kids being. <laughs> my dad doesn't even remember who I am half the fucking time. He's gonna remember <laughs> something from like 20 years ago. Um, but like it was just. Oh, I just remember that. Like it was just a random day. And like I'm not trying to cry foul that I had a terrible child when we were poor. But like it was never really a thing where it was like Ben, you can have this. Ben, you can have that. Yeah. So like this was like a rare thing that actually happened. So. Yeah, like I just, there's two bits in this movie. There's this bit when it's like, can I have some book money? I'm like, oh, brings back excited memories. And the dinner table scene when they're all going around like, what do you want for dinner? You know, Bo, yeah. what do you like? I'm like, oh, I want that. I just want to have like anything you want. You can have whatever you want for dinner. I'm like, oh, I want this. Like, yeah, I want French toast and mashed potatoes. <laughs> Together. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> Actually, I want all of it. I want teriyaki chicken, cheeseburger with bacon, <laughs> extra bacon and spaghetti. I want it all on a plate. <laughs> Uh, just, uh, no, so what was that food that you, uh, we just talked about that food that you hated? Uh, a lot. I hate a lot of food. <laughs> I, I feel like just off air, we literally just had a conversation about a food you hated. Uh, what did you have for dinner last night? Oh no, it wasn't food you hate. You never had cabbage rolls. Oh, cabbage roll. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a Chico Somebody roll that thought you said you hated it. Yeah. Cabbage it's... rolls. Let's add that to it. <laughs> sure. Uh, cabbage is fine. <laughs> That's it. Cabbage is fine. Hour and a half into the episode, Ben has mentioned cabbage is fine. All right. Bucket list. Max Dawson Uh, sucks. Uh, Wash up on a beach somewhere. No, it's a racist. Can't get a date. It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. What else have we missed? And Tanya Roberts is dead. Oh, Uh, yeah. Oh, wait. No, she's still alive. It's a bingo, Oz Network. Yay. It's a winner. It's It's a winner. Best thing ever. Can we use that as a comment on uh, 007 when we do, like, random clips? Yeah, Casper, what do winner. you think of Die Another Day? It's a winner! <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Uh, we got to quickly talk about the pharmacy scene. Now, it's funny. I I, I didn't quite realize oh, I that this, this girl. is the... But this is the only scene here that doesn't have anything that pays off later on, you know? Like, the, the, well, the book scene... It, it, <laughs> that's it <laughs> but uh uh this is just i i guess more to show like uh, i guess the, the important thing is is to show mel gibson yes he's saying i'm not a, a reverend anymore but like he still has that in him so when she's basically saying i need to make a confession he's like okay okay and he's still trying here so it's basically i guess trying to show like there's still some faith left in this guy uh I mean, obviously the best, the best back and forth here is where she's talking about, it's like, I said 37 bad words last week. It's like, wait, does douchebag count? Is it? Like, well, it depends on the context. Johnny, you're a douchebag for kissing Barbara. Yes. Then it's 71. Not 37. 
And I just love the idea that she spent the week counting. Oh, Johnny, you're a douchebag. Not just douchebag, but Johnny, you're a douchebag for kissing Barbara. The 37 plus whatever minus is the difference between 37 and 71. She knows the number. I, I like the, the best bit is when he walks into the pizza place and is like, all right, you need to make me a promise. You will never see Tanya <laughs> Roberts you... again. Remember, remember her name. <laughs> Tanya Roberts. What is it? I, I wrote it down here. Yeah. Uh, all of you, are, nobody is allowed to spend any time with Tracy Abernathy alone again. <laughs> Which I like, I, I think this scene's relevant because like, I mean, I think it's more of a case of that. He's trying to put this faith behind him and escape from it because of what's happened, but he can't because, like, he's seen as this figure in the community. And, like, I think he wants to get away from this girl, but he's just too nice of a person to be able to say, like, oh, no, I, like, like, fuck off, I'm not a priest anymore. So that, to me, is what this scene is in this kind of, like, as we're going to see it with M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong, that, you know, he's still even going to help him out even though he kind of killed himself, which kind of says now because I'm going to forget about this later. Why isn't he in jail? I'm sorry. If you fall asleep at the wheel and kill a person, that's a crime. Well, is Don't it? Don't well me. I'm, I'm How many times have you done it? They say, he's, they say he's not a drunk driver or whatever. I mean, Matthew Broderick did that in the 80s. I don't know if he fell asleep at the wheel. Or- They're not vet in Bucks <laughs> County, Pennsylvania. He's poor. But but I, I also think like it's very clear that this town like this is a very forgiving town you know I mean Lionel Pritchard and the Wolfian brothers like well they had their alibi I mean the worst guys are not in jail and this is a guy where even even um, when they have the flashback of the scene when Cherry Jones is saying it, it was legitimately a mistake like he he is completely sober he fell asleep at the wheel he even says it was for like a split second I mean, that kind of I actually worked with a guy who told me a story about falling asleep at the wheel now he was driving home from downtown and it probably would have been about a 10 minute drive now it's all one street our main street in winnipeg is all one one road to his place but that is a road that has little corners and curves and stuff like that and he was telling me he was he was driving and he's like and i fell asleep and he's like and i wasn't just like asleep like or all of a sudden i was out of it and then i opened my eyes i'm like whoa i'm like you know two kilometers from where i was he's like i remember having a dream and he, but he drove and he was still like consciously steering the steering wheel and stuff like that. And he didn't kill anybody. <laughs> At least I know. And him. then you fired him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like it is something that legitimately happens. I mean, no, I've I, had times where I'm driving and I, I, you, you can feel yourself. You start to nod off. I'm like, Whoa, okay. Let me crank up the radio here. Let me pull over for a second. I've once in my life, do I remember being at a point and because I used to always see these stories and hear about it, all these ads on TV without having, I'm like, who honestly would ever be able to fall? Like, that's dumb. Like that's like, I'm always so alert when I'm driving that I did, but there was one time in New Zealand. It's when we went and saw Shania Twain uh, and we were driving back, like, and it was like two 30 in the morning and I was probably about like half an hour from home. And I remember like being at the wheel, like, I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And I remember like turning to Mallory, like Mallory, I think I'm going to have to pull over. You might have to drive. And she was like fucking asleep. So I'm like, okay, clearly not. <laughs> but um, my, my point is, is that like it, even if it's an accident, he still killed someone and fatigue is still like, no matter if it doesn't happen or but- not at all, it's still bad. He should have pulled over. It's, unless he has like narcolepsy or something like that, like it's still this is something that he would not just go oh, scallywag. It's never <laughs> happened before. Oh well, but you like, weren't drunk or anything. You save our animals off your pop. He's still going uh, to jail for manslaughter or something. No, I, I, I no, because I think that I- unless you have broken the law while driving, I mean, I don't think there is a law he saying killed you can't someone. <laughs> well, you, yeah, but again, it, it, it all comes down to what the law is. Like Tracy Morgan, you know, when, when he was hit by that that truck driver or whatever. 
I mean, I don't think that that truck driver was a drunk, and I don't think that truck driver ended went to jail. I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. I, don't like, know. I, I think you could. Also, you could this have, guy's not white in Bucks of- County, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> He's the only non-white person in this town, <laughs> I, and it's 2002. You know, yeah, this is, like, when, when, when she's talking about there was some strange lady with an accent. It was actually M. Night Shyamalan. I'm not playing this car, but I'm sorry. This is rural United States of America. You know, well, this is where um, half red, half blue state. Come on. This is kind of like M. Night Shyamalan places all of his movies in Pennsylvania because he's from there, too. Yeah. So I, I would think he kind of knows what these communities are like. And I think the other thing is that when we're going to have the scene later on with Mel Gibson and him, <laughs> Mel Gibson is not holding <laughs> a grudge. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just um, had a bit it's, of Max Dawson in my throat. You're an, mm. you're an alien. You're reacting the same way to the water. I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> Luckily, my lungs were closed. Um, exactly. <laughs> But like Mel, we'll get to it later. But I think Mel Gibson is forgiving enough that it, it, you, it, it'll come down to: Are you going to have a civil suit against this person, which you can well, do? You can have a wrongful death suit if you're not going to file that. That's where you're right. Like it. I mean, this is the purpose of his character: that even a the struggle with his faith, that even a man who kills his wife, he's able yeah. to forgive on some mm-hmm. level. Exactly. Which, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I, I won't comment on killing my wife, but like it's. it's <laughs> I'm not a forgiving person, so uh, <laughs> if this had happened on day 78, I might have been angry. Had this happened on day 81, eh, uh, <laughs> shit uh, happens. So, when they come home, this is uh, where I guess the movie really starts to take off. Like, where The first time it shows, hey, this might actually be more than Lionel Pritchard and the Wolfington Brothers. Uh, when they've got the baby monitor now uh, as the radio or whatever, and they come home from the car, and, and this is where they're like, wait, did you hear that? And they're, they're all trying to hear what this is. And uh, it, it, this is where the theme music plays in the first time, like, do-do-do-do-do-do, like very subtle, one of the best uses of this movie. Uh, and Joaquin Phoenix goes on a speech about, uh, you know what, these crop circles are done by all these guys who can't get girls, and they meet up with other guys who can't get girlfriends, and they uh, use a bunch of Greek mythology, and they do this, and, and then... Again, a lot of the delayed reaction to this movie is some of the funniest stuff because then yeah. Rory Culkin goes on some speech and then you just have Abigail Breslin out of nowhere just saying, like, why can't they get girlfriends? <laughs> she's so, so good. Weird. Like, I don't get it. Like, how, like, she's, what, like, five? Like, five-year-olds are usually so shit, but, like, she's so, like, naturally yeah. funny. Like, it's just, I love this, like, randomness of just, why can't they get girlfriends? <laughs> so funny. <laughs> And I just love the visual to the scene, like where all of them suddenly start getting into it and they're climbing on the hood of the car uh, and standing up with that. That was again, one of like the, the visual shots that this movie was promoted on that shot of them all on the car and holding the baby monitor up in the air. And you can start to hear like the, the clicking sound where it sounds like, you know, a, a language or whatever, or, or, you know, a coffee pot percolating. One or the other, <laughs> they're picking up on the radio. Azerbaijani. Uh, yeah, this is Azerbaijanian. Uh, what is the language of Azerbaijan? Do they have a language? Um, Azerbaijan. I think it is actually. Azerbaijanian. Uh, I, I think it is an actual language. <laughs> I'll look that up. You look that up. Um, a- anyways, uh, the... Um, uh, the Azerbaijan. Is this where yeah. he says... No, it is Azerbaijani. Okay. Um, yeah. Hello, all of our Azerbaijanian listeners. <laughs> we love you. We will one day do an episode in your language. Uh, but we just heard it right here. <laughs> That's my Azerbaijani impression. 
<laughs> good clicking. <laughs> and still, I somehow sound like Schwarzenegger when I do that accent. Come on. How do I? <laughs> what, what is hello in Azerbaijani? Let's let's uh, you keep talking. I'll find out. Uh, so that we have the next scene, uh, which is the next nighttime scene where Mel Gibson goes out and he's hearing the noise in the, the crop circle again. And this is where he goes out. And this is where I like the unnaturalness, uh, uh, where it's a little bit more realistic, the unnaturalness of Mel Gibson, where he's like, hello out there. <laughs> he's very formal. <laughs> he's like, I like it later on. Like, I am a police officer. I am with the police. <laughs> That's the best part. Yeah. But I will take them like, in a paddy wagon. <laughs> like, <"Don't." laughs> Best lines ever. <laughs> but he's just like i will not be reporting this to the authorities you will and then he's like you will not get famous off of this <laughs> and then he's just like creeping around and then you get like again one of the best jump scares in this movie like every jump scare in this movie is good typically like jump scares are like the lowest form of scares in movies but when done right like in something like this or psycho like that that's jaws. it takes a lot jaws yeah it takes a lot of talent to pull it off jaws being the perfect example i mean probably oh. the the greatest jump scare in that movie is the head coming out uh the that's underwater. what i'm talking about to this yeah, day it makes me shit myself every time i see it i've seen that movie so many times and famously i mean the story behind that is they filmed the scene and they're like steven spielberg's like it's not scary enough so they reshot it in a pool <laughs> somebody's pool just on their own time with their own money and then it actually worked. I mean, it, it, it takes a lot of talent to pull these off. And every jump scare in this movie works. But where you just see, like, the the, the figure, uh, the, the leg, or I guess, going mm. into the crops. And Mel Gibson being startled. And I just love that nothing is said when he comes back inside. And he just says, okay, let's turn on the TV. Because previously he said, no radio, no TV. We're going to not pay attention to the news. Now he's like, let's turn on the TV. Uh, and this is where we see the uh, the, the Mexico City lights. Now, th- this was actually something that happened in Mexico City. Like I said, I, I love stories of UFOs because... It, to me, I'm not thinking, oh, this is aliens, but I like the idea about, well, what is it? Is this government? Is it hoaxers? A lot of these things are hoaxers, but one of the most famous ones of all time was something like this in Mexico City, where there were hundreds of people shooting from all different angles and all these lights. And you're like, well, uh, what does explain this? And they kind of try to say, well, it was flares or whatever, but then they try to recreate it. It's like, it's not flares. I mean, this is one of the things this movie does well is that whenever you are connected to the outside world, you're seeing things that you actually have seen before. You're seeing a news report on crop circles. You're seeing these, he picked Mexico city where one of the most famous, you know, lights in the sky formations happened. Uh, you're not getting like experts saying like, we have uh, discovered an alien body. It's, it's all the things where it's like, yeah, I've seen stuff like this before, but now it's presented on a mass scale where it's like, you're going to turn the TV and everything is this. Um, they can't stop watching the TV because they're all sitting there uh, watching it overnight uh and uh i think this is where uh yeah right when they start watching this uh i i, I can't miss this so another one of the best parts of the movie uh before we get to the the conversation during the nighttime uh where uh rory Kalk is basically saying it's like uh you know we have to record this this is uh an important event and he pulls out a tape and then uh yeah abigail present my ballet recital and he's like uh, Bo, this is the one of the most pivotal event in human history. Decades from now, you're going to be telling your children about this. This is a moment that needs to be documented. It's one of the important moments in the history of mankind. And then she's like, my ballet recital again. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of your children. I don't know why. <laughs> my ballet recital. But then he's like, get a different tape. And he's like, Uncle Merrill, I'm using your tape. And then he pushes the machine. You just see Swift's special. <laughs> That's me. That's my tape. <laughs> yeah. 
but uh, yeah, this nighttime scene where uh, they're still watching the news. This this is one of the best dramatic scenes in the movie too. The, and and again, talk about like the 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 dialogue. M Night Shyamalan, he he's known as kind of having wooden dialogue in his movies. But in the right movie, it serves with a purpose. Take a movie like Unbreakable or The Sixth Sense, you know, the wooden dialogue, it's meant to kind of get like those very wooden performances. In this movie, like this, the writing of this scene is phenomenal where they're talking about like, you know, uh, the, the signs and miracles and, and Mel Gibson's speech about, you know, there are two people in this world, those who believe in signs, those who believe in a miracle, like this happened for a reason, basically talking about fate and destiny. And then those people, it's like, it was just lucky. Like it's a big, long speech. And then again, throwing a little bit of humor in there, you get Joaquin Phoenix, like, I was at this party a few years ago with who, 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 whoever, Jenny, whatever. <laughs> it's like, she's looking good. <laughs> like, this is so, such an idiot. But yet his story in like the most ridiculous way totally makes sense. Because he's saying like, you know, I, I was on the couch with her and then I had this gum in my mouth. I'm going to spit the gum out. And then all of a sudden she throws up everywhere. It's like, she could have been throwing up in my mouth. Like, it seems like such a silly story. And it is. But yet that's telling you Meryl's character. Meryl, he's like, I'm the one who believes in signs. I think this is a miracle. And then Mel Gibson saying, it's like, you know, th- 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 there is, there is basically saying there is no God. This is, this is just uh, a fluke. This is nothing. Nothing means anything. Um, it's such a good scene. Uh, the next morning where they wake up and uh, the TV's gone and uh, Mel Gibson uh, is following the extension cord out of the room here. Um, and, uh, he finds Meryl in the closet, uh, and, uh, oh. we have <laughs> Meryl, it wasn't a girl he was on the couch, but that was Lionel Pritchard yeah. who almost threw up in his mouth. Good but, uh, we should mention there's the, the first of three flashbacks where you just see him pulling up with the ambulance to the car. So, you know, you're going to get the story of his wife or whatever. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, he finds Meryl, uh, watching TV in the closet saying like, I, I had to take it out of the kids were getting obsessed with Curious it. He couldn't fuck. stop watching. What, what, what there? He was watching. He was Curious watching Curious Fuck because he was in the closet. Ah, oh, ha, 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 that good one. Uh, you had one good joke earlier. <laughs> your your one reaction. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you're you're one for two right now. That that one. <laughs> that's better than that's fifty percent. That's I'm usually exactly. at like a point seven percent. That's a win. That joke will wash up on a beach with Max Dawson one day. <laughs> but uh, Max Dawson wouldn't uh, wash up on a beach. He's not that good. <laughs> Uh, but I love that just Meryl saying, yeah, the kids were getting obsessed with it. They couldn't stop watching as he's glued to it, sitting in a closet. <laughs> What's he like um, explaining yeah. when he's basically like, because is this where he says a line when he's like, I put it in here because the kids shouldn't be watching all the time. They should be outside playing like furry, furry rabbit or something like yeah, that. Yeah, furry, this is the furry rabbit. <laughs> and then he's like, furry, furry rabbit. It's like, yeah, it's a game or something like that. They said that yeah. he just like, he's explaining. He's like, they said that they're coming in circles and all this sort of stuff. And I love that Mel Gibson just walks off and he's just like, yeah, but they're saying this and they're going that. Blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. <laughs> what is well, furry, also- furry rabbit? I don't know if it is a thing. I think that's, I think that's kind of the point of the scene is he's, they should be playing furry, furry rabbit. Mel Gibson's like, What's free for around? I don't know. Isn't it a game or something? <laughs> Maybe it is. You could do your research here. I'm, looking, I'm looking. I'll give him, I'll give, I'll give him a second. Uh, Urban Dictionary just literally comes up with the quote from signs. So, yeah. Um, also, hello in Azerbaijani. Salam. So, there you go. <laughs> How do you say furry furry rabbit in Azerbaijanian? That's a great question. Let's find out. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that. <laughs> um, now they do reveal again how it's like this is just the way news footage would be. We're not seeing like this massive news report. It's just one static shot of the clouds, and he's still watching all day. This static shot of the clouds. 
where he's talking about they're not even showing the clip he's just saying they had a shot and a bird flew into it. she's like it's still the the aliens the lights are still there it's just we can't see them they have some invisible force field or just the way it's like this is real news footage like we, we all remember watching 9-11 footage or you know whatever other 11 uh, take it off sorry right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but you're, you're just watching the same shot over and over again but like you still can't stop watching like and and this movie was filming i think i think they started filming this movie right after 9-11 so it was filming I mean, during it because i think the uh the trivia i read was that the scene where mel gibson's wife dies in this was on september the 12th and they'd actually just oh, had okay. a candlelit vigil for the 9-11 victims on the day of filming yeah and like obviously it wasn't planned to have that in the movie but i mean this is coming out especially right at a time where people had just spent you know three days locked in a closet watching a tv like this um the speech that he's giving again the way that they they throw these things in there that's like this is going to explain our ending without making it so obvious it's it's the one he's talking about why the crop circles exist they're thinking the crop circles are there for navigation that's when mel gibson's wandering off and he's like rambling to himself and is like it's there to tell them where to go and it's a map or whatever uh and now uh they also talk here about uh, they think they might be here because all their resources are used up on their planet uh this is with the, the kids reading the book is this where dr bimbu or whatever is mentioned i think so yeah which like it's i i do love a good uh, plot explanation from a one book. That, that's all it is. Like, yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> Dr. Bimbo's book. That's, cause that, that's, like, that's, yeah, that's, it's, I mean, if we ever do Independence Day, it's just, I love how they <laughs> quickly jump from point A to point B so quickly in Independence Day and get it right. Like, I mean, yeah. but, uh, yeah, similar thing here. But, like, what, what, what I actually do like about this is that every time they're talking about this book, it's always, it could be one of two things. Uh, yeah. Like he's saying here, it, it, they could be trying to make contact or they could be hostile, you know? It could be this, it could be that. Um, and when he mentions, like, all the resources used up. Now, that's what I want people to focus on when they say that the ending is so stupid because this movie doesn't have to explain everything, but that's the most important part, I think, when we get to why the ending actually does make sense. Uh, we get the phone call here. We don't know who it is. They basically just say father or whatever, and then they hang up. And this is where he says uh, uh, Ray Reddy called, which I don't know if we've even had identified yet that like Ray Reddy is the guy. Like they 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 had him seen in town where you see M. Night Shyamalan, they're like, is that the guy? But I don't think they've even connected the dots of this is the guy who killed his wife yet. It's just, this is some guy. There's another thing I read in the trivia that I hadn't even pieced together before. And sometimes you read these trivia beats, bits and it's like, well, that's obviously just like some person's theory, but I'm like, this one actually, I'm like, well, that that's quite clever. The scene earlier on where the dogs were going crazy and they were saying like, uh, we think that Houdini is sick or whatever. And they said, maybe we should take him to the doctor. And they say, well, what will the doctor do? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the fact is in that scene, pe people are pointing out now, it's like, they don't say, let's take him to the vet for a real reason. They have a vet in this town. They say, let's take mm -hmm. him to the doctor and they dismiss it. Well, the doctor can't do anything because they don't want to take it to the vet but yet that's why i love so much more in the next scene where where mel gibson goes because we find out that m night Shyamalan is the guy who hit his wife and killed his wife and the way that he's forgiving while still being you know broken in that scene uh because he immediately goes to the guy's house and um uh m night Shyamalan mentions here about uh you know oh i'm gonna be going to the lake or whatever and, and, and even though the way that they, they just drop it in the middle of the scene i'm very sorry about what i did to you and your family and then he said i was never more awake than i was that night that's obviously playing into the whole thing about you know it, it, it's being fate that he because he even says it, it's almost like i was meant to fall asleep at that first moment he basically says you know i don't think i'm gonna be going to heaven because i don't think they have a place reserved in there for guys who kill reverend's wives 
Um, M. Night Shyamalan always puts his own cameo in the movies. Like this is another thing he gets from Al. He's very Alfred Hitchcock like. He's try- always tried to be. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock always had his cameos in movies. Shyamalan gives himself speaking roles, though. He's actually not a bad actor. Like I think, particularly hmm. in this one. And I don't know if you if you said you hadn't seen Unbreakable. No, I haven't. I mean, yeah, this and Six Sense are the only ones I've seen from him. Yeah, Unbreakable. He has uh, you know, probably one of the more important scenes in the movie where. It's just setting up like the awe of the movie. It's basically like, oh, you were in this train wreck and you don't have a scratch on you. Like he's not bad. I'm not saying he should take up a career in acting, but like you get a lot of these director cameos. Like Quentin Tarantino is notorious for when he used to act in his movies, people would always be like, man, he is so bad, which I don't think he's that bad. I mean, he he fits his movies, but um, but yeah, Shyamalan, decent in this scene here. Mel Gibson though, I think this is why it's important uh, also to have that scene uh, earlier on where you're like, you know, he, he still he still has that reverend part to him where he is forgiving because when Shyamalan says, you know, thank you so much for coming. I've had your number. A guy whose wife was killed would probably be like, what do you want? Just tell me, what do you want? But when he says, thank you for coming. I love the Mel Gibson says, you're welcome. Hmm. <laughs> like he he's like, yes, my pleasure. Very <laughs> thank American. you for killing my wife, by the way. <laughs> yeah, uh, this, I would say more Canadian than American. This week? Oh, four, that's <laughs> yeah, all right. Exactly. But like Mel Slowly. Gibson is so broken. This is like, there's very few times where I think that there's a scene that like, I'm, I'm not going to say I get teared up or I'm like, that's emotional. Like I'm getting emotional just watching this, but Mel Gibson's reactions in this scene. And then also the dinner scene later on, like you get broken up watching this guy, but yet it's not obvious at any point. He doesn't have to be this sad, mopey, depressive guy. The entire movie, you just have a scene like this. Shyamalan says the thing about the lake because he's like, you know, I kind of have this theory that, all these crop circles or whatever, and wherever the lights are, it's nowhere near water. I don't think they like the water. It's dismissed as being like, well, that's dumb. Cause even when Mel Gibson brings up later on, it's like, that sounds really stupid. Like it's the only dumb theory that they're not believing, but it turns out to be the one that's right. Uh, But uh, uh, he says, don't go in the pantry. I'll lock one of them there. Uh, Mel Gibson going (laughs) into the house again, Mel Gibson is still thinking this is not aliens. He goes, Hello there. <laughs> Hello there. We caught your friends. We know it's a hoax. <laughs> we so formal with everything. And this is a line you mentioned where he's like, we have a couple of your friends out there. They gave us a full confession. We have them out there in the paddy wagon. And then he even like mumbles a paddy wagon. <laughs> talks like this. <laughs> if you tell us the full story, if you confess now, we'll give you the same deal we gave them. Uh, and there's nothing happening. This is where he gets the knife and he you know, uses to peek underneath the door. Now everything happens so fast here. And it, again, it's a great jump scare. It startles you, but I, I still don't know like how the fingers got cut off. Like did Mel Gibson intentionally cut off the fingers here? Because you get the alien hand that reaches out, but it's camouflage. This is the first time we see that like it can camouflage or I guess turn itself it invisible. <laughs> uh, and, and the knife, like he's he jolting, but it. then he, he but, picks uh, it up again and he chops it off. Okay, so he intentionally is doing this, but so he must realize at this point this is not a human. But like, why of all time? What if this was a human and just had to form? What if this is some Scandinavian high jumper? And this is just the way they look in Scandinavia. Racist. <laughs> I mean, again, this is a guy who's only seen one non-white person in his town. This could be any ethnicity. Uh, well, he's Mel Gibson. Uh, <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They've got crooked fingers, don't they? With claws. 
But yeah, like it's such a good scene and the Mel Gibson coming to the house and it's that visual of all, through, not just the kids who had the tinfoil hats earlier, but uh, even uh, Joaquin Phoenix with the tinfoil hat on. It's so brilliant. Um, and uh, this is where Mel Gibson, like, okay, he's believing this is aliens or whatever. Um, he uh, uh, he says here about the theory that, that they, they don't like water. Uh, they start to take the the the, the survey or, or what do you call it called vote. Uh, all those who vote that we go to the lake where we'll probably be safe. Raise your hand, and I think it's just him and uh, Abigail Breslin who raise their hand. All those who vote that we stay here and board up the windows. Raise your hand, and it's Joaquin Phoenix and Roy Culkin. He goes, "All right, my vote counts as two. I'm like, I'm sure every parent probably tried this at some point. I, I can't wait to do this one day, but uh, uh, I count as two. I'm an adult. But with him, he's like, well, I'm two parents. I count as two. And this is where Rory Culkin's like, uh, it's like, uh, anybody want to change their vote? And then you get uh, Abigail Breslin changing her mind, and everybody's now on board with uh, let's stay at home. So Mel Gibson's overruled. Um, uh, we'll stop before we get to the dinner scene here. Um, uh, Cause at this point, I guess the news is basically just in the background said there's 274 cities now around the world. Uh, and they're all within one mile of where crop circles are, which um, I, I guess India, Mexico, a lot of crops there. <laughs> I don't know. What do they grow? I'm curious. What do they grow in Mexico? Uh, cocaine. Okay. There we go. Cocaine. <laughs> Cartels. Um <laughs> You did miss but, the very scary scene in the midst of all of this because uh, oh, Meryl, because that is yeah, they intercept that. Because yeah, he yeah, goes to watching. yeah when he goes to Ray's house before he chops the fingers off is when they cut back to him watching yeah. the the scene. Him, oh, say, how to, how, the greatest scene in this movie, and I somehow missed mm. it. Okay. There we go. So still to this day, like you said, it's frequently on lists of like scariest scenes in movie history. I found one where it was in the top 10, uh, one where it was in the top, I think I found two, well, one where it was in the top five. But uh, yeah, we've had all these jump scares in the movie, but him watching the TV where they're saying, this is uh, from a children's birthday party in Mexico City or whatever. Uh, I love the newscast, like what you're about to see may disturb you. <laughs> this is the first disturbing thing they've seen on the news, but but yeah, it disturbed everybody. Still to this day, it disturbs everybody. I was just talking to Jamie before, uh, uh, we were, well, it was last night before we recorded this. I said, yeah, I'm going to be recording science tomorrow. And she goes, you know what scene in that movie still freaks me out? It's like the scene where they see the alien run across the road, like the, the birthday party scene. You just have the camcorder. For, it's the fact that it's filled with a camcorder. Like every time we see the aliens here, it's in the dark. It's from a shadow. It's far away. Like it's filmed like the shark in Jaws. This is the moment where the shark comes out of the water for the first time. You're like, whoa, it's still just a blink and you miss it. But it's like, but I just told myself I need a diaper for the rest of this movie. Um, the alien, all of a sudden, with all the kids, like people have seen it before. They're like, ah, we saw it, we saw it. And then you see that one shot of the alien just walking across the road. I'm going to say Joaquin mm -hmm. Phoenix reaction, immediately cutting to Joaquin Phoenix's reaction. The most terrified I think I've ever seen a person in any movie is Joaquin Phoenix watching this footage of this alien. Still, this scene, I can visualize it right now, and I'm getting freaked out visualizing it. One of the greatest scares in movie history and something that anybody who even hates this movie, I, I don't, you'll have those people who are like, oh, I saw this twist coming. But I don't, you're gonna have anybody who's like, oh, that didn't scare me. Like, no, anybody is caught off guard when they see that the first time. Which I'm glad that it's got that reputation. Because I, as I said, like I nearly walked out of the movies. I was that scared when I saw this scene. <laughs> 
And like to me, like I I didn't know if that was like something that people laughed at me for because it's like, oh, you haven't seen Poltergeist and The Exorcist and all these movies that are actually scary. That's not scary, Ben. But like I'm so glad now that I'm seeing it appear on these lists and that this is genuinely something that scares the shit out of people. Because even last night watching this for the first time in ten years, because it, it's also the way it's drawn out. It's not yeah. like it just comes to you straight away. Because like just literally like you're watching this from this foot, and this is before like found footage was a thing. And it was kind of like, I guess you had Blair Witch a couple of years before it. But, um, you know, even just the way you've got Wacky Feet's reaction going like, move, children, move, vamanos, yeah. vamanos. <laughs> and you're staring, you're staring, you're watching. And even last time I'm going like, where is it? Where is it? It happened soon. It happened soon. And all of a sudden you just hear the boom and you're like, ah! And you're like, fucking hell. <laughs> and, it's, and it's not like it's like this gory, grotesque thing. It's not like Night of the Living Dead where you've got, you know, these grotesque zombies now. or it's head a, spinning in the exorcist or something yeah yeah like it's and like even like i literally when you've been talking i've been like flicking it on repeat <laughs> and if you actually like the thing that's really clever with it if you look at the bushes and you can actually see it like if you know where it is and you can see it's kind of head between the bushes before it moves like it's mm. actually really cool the way it is like in that but oh fuck it just yeah it scared the absolute shit out of me when i first saw this um, and I've, I've never had that. I've never to this day watched a movie or a TV show or anything where I have been that scared that I wanted to leave. And like, yeah. I, I told the story when we did Jurassic Park a few years ago that I remember people running out of that cinema screaming when the T-Rex <laughs> broke through the fence. I mean, that's, it's hilarious to think now that that was a thing, but people legitimately were terrified of that thing coming out. And like, you think it was like, why would you be so scared? It's a movie. But like like this, like legitimately, I was terrified to the point where I wanted to get out of that room. And yeah. it's just literally an alien going, boo, basically, which it's, it's yeah, God help me in real life if something like this ever happened to me. I'd, I'd be dead. Like, <laughs> well, and, and I, I look at myself the other, in the mirror every day. <laughs> the other interesting thing about it is that you have that reaction. And I'm not saying this is the scariest movie of all, but yeah, there are movies out there like The Exorcist that might be a, a scarier movie, but... For like a single moment in the movie, and, and this is on a list. I'm not even saying this. Is the it's not. Let's put it up there with like the psycho shower stabbing and everything. It is a moment that is like it is so famous for the reaction it gets from people. But the the way that like you said, you're still going back and forth over and over again. You see it and you're scared. Like you said, you want to get out of the room. But then the next time you watch this movie, you're like. I can't stop watching it. And they even play into that with the news footage where like you see the footage, you see Joaquin Phoenix's reaction and then they play it again and they freeze frame. The news is freeze framing on this. Cause like in reality, it's like a car crash. You're like, that's the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life, but I can't stop looking. And this is the most we're going to see of the aliens until the end of the movie. Uh, and, and that's one of the reasons why this works because we've seen glimpses in the back and we've seen a full body shot. That was a shadow for as brief of a second as this. But on a camcorder, at this point in the movie, you're like, this is as good as it gets. This is the most alien thing I've ever seen. Which, and I think the thing too is that it holds up. I mean, the special effects in this movie don't really hold up. The aliens at the end, we can talk about that. But like, yeah. this still holds up. And no matter what, like a random scene that I was thinking of, not necessarily scary, but it was shocking the first time you saw it, was the Samuel L. Jackson in Deep Blue Sea when he gets eaten by the oh, shark. Yeah. Which, in hindsight, it's very obvious now watching it, and it's kind of hilarious because the special effects are terrible. But I remember watching that for the first time, like, shitting yeah. myself. Like, Holy fuck! Like, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> and it was like, wow. It's like, Jesus Christ. And I remember I rewound that, like, about 50 times. going, fuck! Like, wow, that actually <laughs> happened. Whereas now, you watch and you kind of laugh at it. Whereas this, it's I think it still holds up. The list I found, slashfilm.com, 
Uh, they've got the 31 scariest movie scenes ever. And this came in at number nine. Uh, so, uh, number eight, sorry. Uh, which you mentioned it too. And I'm going to talk about the other stuff quickly as well that you've gone over. Um, I, I swear they say in the news, they say Mexico City. We've got this footage from Mexico City. Yeah. I was reading, a, I think it's a trivia on uh, IMDb, calls this the Brazilian scene, saying this was in Brazil. Oh, but maybe I, this one was Brazil then. But I swear, I'm with you though. I swear they say Mexico City on the news as well. Yeah. But uh, Mexico City is where we see the lights in the sky. Yeah. And then we but, see, and again, the footage where, oh, the bird flew into it. So maybe it's because we had two Mexico City scenes we're thinking that. But yeah, it might have been Brazil. I don't know. Um, Just on everything else, really, uh, that you've gone over, um, one plot hole, which I actually kind of weirdly agree with that everything wrong with did, maybe the only one that I kind of agree with, the whole baby monitor thing picking up on signals, how are these aliens able to basically, when they say on the news, like they weren't detected by any radar or anything and they snuck in yet a baby monitor can pick it up? Like, I mean, (laughs) that's the one we're like, Okay, fair enough, fair point. But, um, yeah, I love the roof scene. I, I love that bit when they're kind of on there and, you know, at first you've got like Joaquin Phoenix and Mel Gibson both kind of like, oh, children, this is so stupid. And then all of a sudden Mel Gibson's like, come on, turn it off. And then even Joaquin is like, no, you lose the signal. And he looks at him as if to say like, um, <laughs> you're meant to be on my side here with this. The leg in the, the crop circles, freaky as fuck. Like that is another one. Um, which I, I mean, I'd put that up there. Like the arm on Rory Culkin is scary, but at the same time, when you rewatch it, you can see it clearly when you know it's there and you know, it's about to happen. It's not as scary. Whereas this leg one, I always kind of forget it happens. Um, the whole, like, this is the thing that I like about these style of movies is the way they kind of see it from the family watching the news because Mm -hmm. yeah, you nailed it perfectly with nine 11. You're glued to this. And if right now we turn on the TV and it was breaking news that alien, like Independence Day, you know, the way that happens, or like when we were talking about it on uh, Man of Steel, the way kind of the world was reacting when you had that Zod message, you know, mm-hmm. like this is how you would react. You would just be, there are these events which happen in life where you are the where were you moments. And, I mean, for us, it's probably 9-11 is the biggest one we'll ever have in our, our life. I mean, I, as a Michael Jackson fan, I mean, Michael Jackson dying was a, pretty big where are you type max moment. dawson's vote out on survivor where were you at <laughs> i was celebrating on the streets doing this people on tv are doing this Just doing this <laughs> they're doing this going, ah, yeah 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 um <laughs> but yeah like and but i mean this would be what i like yeah, ballet recital ballet <laughs> recital. Carl, can i ask you a personal question do you remember your first kiss um, I do. Was it Jamie? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> I, I thought I was gonna say I was gonna say my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Are you just mean, it, you? <laughs> no, just, not, not, not in that way. Not that kind. But like, you know, one year old, two year old, your mom. <laughs> I'm just thinking like, did somebody like vomit in your mouth? Like, in your, your <laughs> first kiss. I was twelve. We had a um a like a little going away sort of party thing for the end of primary school going after high school and we played spin the bottle and we were 12 year olds and we were like ooh 12 year olds playing spin the bottle we're so grown up so um and it was either Casey Krista or Sarah it was one of those three cuz I kissed all three of them I don't remember who was first um but uh yeah there you go 12 <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I had this visual. They spin the bottle, lands up, Ben. And you just hear, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was. 
probably was. Let's be honest. Um, I like Marky Phoenix. I just love the very very rabbit bit. <laughs> and I also love, like, talk about the, the humor. I love it when uh, Mel Gibson sits down on the bed with this book and um, he, like, sits down. And what does Rory Culkin say? It's like, oh, who wrote this book? Oh, just some author who was probably persecuted because of his beliefs because of his science. <laughs> like, just, like, ripping into his dad for his religious beliefs. And then, like, he gets there. It's like, uh, Rory Culkin says, like, Dr. Bibu was uh, Bimbu or something like that. And then he goes, Dr. Bimbu. It's like, Dad! Like what? Yeah. His name is Doctor Bimbo. You had a tone. There was <laughs> like, a tone. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just love the way he does that. Like it's just the humor in this is great. Um, although I do love the bit where it's like, hey, this house kind of looks like our house. And you see these burnt corpses. Colin's laughing at this because you've got burnt <laughs> corpses on the ground. Um, M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong's a pretty decent actor. Like I, yeah, don't see anything wrong with it. The the finger bit. It's, you know, the special effects, this is where maybe it doesn't hold up too well, 2002 graphics. But, yeah, that kind of freaks the shit out of me with that. Um, and, yeah, I, I do love it when he goes home and I'm with you with, like, the um, the tinfoil hats. But, then, like, again, this is where people complain about this movie. It's the water. They're, oh, it's so dumb. Maybe they come to the planet, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I, I do like this moment where, you know, you've got Ray basically saying about how, oh, you know, I've noticed that the crop circles are nowhere near water, so I don't think they like water. And then when he says that to Rory Culkin, that sounds dumb. Like, you've been saying all these ideas from this book. But, like, I can understand why you might think it's dumb, but I also think it's kind of a smart thing. Like, this is how people work things out. Like, oh, well, I'm going to, looking at all these maps of where they are, like, oh, they're not near water. That Let's go to the water. What's the harm? So I don't think it's that dumb of an idea. But, like, it's, like, I just, I hate how people criticise this movie of why would they come to Earth when Earth is, like, 75% water and human beings are made out of, like, like, you kind of said it before. They come to Earth because they're, like, trying to get resources. And clearly, later on, we hear that on the radio, they're trying, they're running out of resources. If you, if Earth right now was, like, dying and we knew that Mars had whatever, and what is it, like, isn't it arsenic or what's the one thing that, like, kills human instantly? There's, like, some chemical that uh, like arsenic's is, pretty deadly yeah. is it arsenic it's yeah there might be another one that i'm thinking of but i know there's like one chemical which it's like it's human kryptonite but like if we had to go to a planet and it was 70 percent arsenic but we knew that the other 30 percent would save our entire species you would risk it and you would go yeah. okay well we can go internally where there's not oceans of arsenic and there we go so then the whole bit where they discover that water kills them, well, like, it's not dumb. The aliens probably know that water kills them, but they're going to avoid water. So that's exactly. why they're going to rural areas. So all of a sudden, just because a human discovers that water kills them, the aliens go, oh, darn, I would have gotten away with it. See, if you hadn't <laughs> knocked out one of those dumb ones. It's not stupid. I hate this notion that, oh, this twist is so dumb because they wouldn't come. Like, we, like, you know that fire kills you, so yeah. you don't go into a, a forest fire. You avoid it. But if all of a sudden the tree is like, hmm, that human could die if I light it on fire. Yes. Like, it's it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's not dumb. You know it's not a stupid twist. It, exactly. Like, uh, this is, I'm, I'm so glad we're, we're going to be completely on the same page as this because that's my argument for this as well. When they mention the thing about resources, we're not being told how desperate these aliens are. If they're coming to another planet, it's because they prob- their planet's probably dead. That This is their yeah. only chance for survival. They... And this movie, it doesn't have to spell everything out. It is a movie that is about one family in the middle of this crisis. That's why everything else we see is only on the news. And most of the time, they're refusing to even turn on the news. They're in a small town, so you don't get a lot of it. You get things on the radio later on. It's like a lot of people have died. 
We don't need to see that. If this were an Independence Day type movie, you would probably have more explanation, but you're not going to hear everything on the news. The fact is, like you said, if Earth was dying, if we had used up all of our resources and within five years, everything on Earth is going to be gone. We, if we knew there was one planet and we talked about the, the remote possibilities, like, yes, how likely is it there's a planet out there that can support life? Got to be something that could support life, right? I mean, Mars, we would probably go to Mars if Earth was about to explode. If an asteroid was about to hit Earth, we would probably go to Mars. You know what? The atmosphere on Mars is going to kill us, but if it's our only chance of survival, we're going to go where we can. We're not going to say, no, why would we go to Mars? The atmosphere will kill us. Well, let's try to avoid the atmosphere. <laughs> let's wear a suit. Yeah. Uh, it's not this 100% is obvious- water Earth. It's only 70, yeah. like it, you know. And and we're we're each living in place. I mean, mosquitoes can kill people in Winnipeg. You know, you you talk about spiders that can kill you in Australia. I mean, we both are living in environments where we go outside, something can kill us. You put on bug spray. You know, you you avoid going into the bushes. I live um, in Australia, as you said. Like, I mean, God, everything kills me here. You're you're near America. Yeah. You get shot <laughs> just by looking at the border. Yeah, I remember like you know West Nile virus when all that was a scare. I mean, basically like don't go outside unless you have bug spray. They didn't say COVID. don't go outside. We're literally living with it still yes. to this day. <laughs> People still were going to the grocery store. You know, you wore a mask. Like just because they're coming to Earth, it's implying that Earth is one of many planets they could go to. Chances are this is an alien race who has found one planet that will support life. Just like this is the first uh, aliens that have ever come to Earth because there's probably only one other planet that is even travelable where they, they will be supported. So this is their last ditch effort. They, they even said this is a recon group. We're basically just proved that once again, as we do on the show, that the supposed villains of the movie aren't actually villains. These poor aliens. They're trying to survive. Are just trying to survive. Like it, you make a good point. Like, yeah, you hear in the news that a lot of people died, but like, it's not like these are independence aliens. As you said, they're not blowing up cities. They're not, you know, Mars attacks and, like, you know, putting the Washington Monument on people, that sort of stuff. They're literally putting a couple of maps in the crop circles going, okay, here you go, Jimbo and Frank, you land there and we'll go over there. Right, you run around a house a little bit and see what we can get. And, you know, it's it's not like they say the aliens are here for our resources. Like, I think they, they, we, they, is it Rory Culkin maybe says, like, they can use us for, like, something. So, like, it's sort of, yeah. It's sort of implied. But it's, but like a, that's, it's one of the theories. It's not that's even War like of the, the Worlds, isn't it? That's what they do with War of the Worlds, right? To fuel their ships from memory. Don't they uh, suck the humans in pods to make those weird things? That's how I they. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure War of the Worlds, they use humans as like that. And it's like, it's like the Matrix. They use humans as batteries. So it's mm-hmm. kind of. There's that sort of level in science fiction, but this is never specifically stated. Oh, they have to suck your brains out because that fuels their, you know, spaceships. Like it's just. It's, it's done in a way. So I'm saying now, the aliens, not really bad. They're just trying to survive and, the poor things. Yeah, and, and you know what? Agrees. He's, 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 he's trying to kill the hamster, but he agrees. Uh, <laughs> but let, let, let's again let, say the same thing. If Earth is about to die and our only hope is to go to uh, planet X, uh, <laughs> planet X is one that will support human life, but the problem is, it is basically per- currently occupied by whatever the deadliest spider in Australia is and the deadly the Manitoba mosquitoes, the, the, the Manitoba mosquitoes and Australian spider creatures. Funnel, web. and funnel webs. Uh, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go to that planet and we're going to gas those things. We're going to do exactly what these aliens do in this movie. They're exterminating yeah. the present life. 
we can't say we're any better. Oh, well, well, but they should know that we're humans. Well, to, to them, we're bugs. What did the we're, fucking we're British do to 80% of this planet? Why are we exactly. all being made to feel guilty <laughs> centuries later because of the indigenous <laughs> populations? Because, I mean, I live in a country where we literally tried to breed out the black people because we didn't want them living there. Yeah. You live in a country that kind of did the same thing too. The indigenous are, people, yeah. We are disgusting human beings, particularly us white people. We're the worst. But, like, it's like we can't talk. Like, these aliens are just the British. They're just trying yeah, to like, exactly. But actually they're better than the British because the British didn't settle Australia because they wanted to survive. They're like, oh, this looks great. Send the criminals here. Fuck off. <laughs> Whereas like at least these aliens aren't coming to Earth going like, oh, send the alien criminals. They're going, we're dying. We need help. Yeah. Like climate change. <laughs> They've got a climate change. Their planet's burnt to death. Too many carbon well, emissions. Greta Thornburg looks like an alien. Clearly, we've discovered that she is one of these things. So she's clearly an alien from some. That was Greta Thornburg on that video. She's coming out going, "How dare you? How dare you?" You know, we we also uh, talked about during the Matrix, like the machines aren't actually wrong. The machines are the Jews of the Holocaust. That's yeah. what the backstory of the Matrix is. They're the Jews. So, yeah, again, humans are always the bad guys. We're, we're the bad exactly. guys, especially the white ones, right? And also, um, just quickly before you continue, uh, Tukla Tukla Dovsan. That's for, for a rabbit in Azerbaijani. <laughs> You're tukla welcome. Tukla Dovsan? Dovsan. Dovsan. Dovs, do, like Dobson. No, <laughs> Dobson. Dobson. <laughs> Dov, D-O-V-S-A-N. But it's got a, like a little umlet under the S, so it's probably pronounced like Dovshit or something like that. Dovsun. Uh, uh, all right, so... Wrapping up the movie here, we basically just have the, the dinner scene and then the, the big climax. But uh, one thing that climax. always kind of bothered with this movie is is how maybe they should have done a better job building up Rory Culkin's hatred for his father. Because it sort of comes out of nowhere here. You just have the random comment with him and Meryl where he says, I wish you were my dad. And I love Meryl's reaction. It's like, don't you ever say that ever again. Uh, but like it comes up again during the dinner scene. It's just sort of like, ah, this hasn't really been set up. If anything, it's kind of the opposite. He's like, He's very much forgiving of his father. He's very much, you know, listening and obedient child. And then all of a sudden, I hate you. Like, spoiled teenager. I hate you. Yeah, I hate you. I hate all of you. <laughs> it's all Mel Gibson's fault. He's holding me back. <laughs> Not just the men, but the Jews and the black men, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mel Gibson's hatred. <laughs> They're I animals them. and I slaughter them like animals. All of them. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, from where I stand, the Jewish are evil. <laughs> From my point of view. <laughs> I don't like Jews. They're coarse and rough and irritating and get everywhere. <laughs> oh, shit. I shouldn't be saying all this sort of stuff. Max Dawson's yeah, Max about to tweet Dawson's about all this. Max Dawson's going to blame you for Mel Gibson's yeah, racism. doesn't like Jews. They're coarse and rough and irritating and they get everywhere. <laughs> Fucking hell. His beard is um, coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. <laughs> Shave your fucking beard. Seriously. Hipsters are so 2011. <laughs> uh, now, um, the they board up the house here, or they're, they're basically going to be boarding up all, all the windows, the doors. I love they say we don't have enough boards for all the windows. Board up the doors then. I'm like, okay, wait. It will take, I don't know how big your windows are in your house, but <laughs> a window is probably a third of the size of the door. I'm like, unless you have three times the amount of windows as you have bedrooms, this isn't even just doors. They've got a three, four bedroom house here, not to mention bathrooms and stuff like that. Like you had enough boards for the windows. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to call you out on that. But um, 
This is where they have the thing about the supper. Meryl's basically saying it's like, oh, oh we'll just do something quick. I'll make sandwiches. I don't, I'm, I'm with you. Like as soon as they start going through the foods, I'm like, ooh, that sounds good. <laughs> oh, that's some of that. But I'm going to ask you what yours is. Well, that's a good. I was going to think that because like it's it's one of those things where you just think about that. Like because as a kid, like you were sort of controlled by whatever your parents would make you. But it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, like whenever do you get that opportunity? Like whatever you want. Um, I don't know what I. I mean, it would probably be burger or fries or like a chicken parmesan chips, um, poutine, um, chicken well done steak. Yeah, uh, chicken <laughs> chicken strips and fries. Probably fries, burgers, chocolate milk. Um, ice cream. <laughs> like, this is like the well, whole like, what would your death row meal be? Like your last meal? Yeah, you exactly. Whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I, I like the ones they go through here, like French toast and mashed potatoes together. I just think that's a funny kid combination, right? Uh, I, the, the French toast is like I've had it like once, but like I always forget it's like a sweet thing, right? Isn't it? Because it's not a French yeah. toast isn't a big Australian dish, so yeah, that, I'd, I'd have French toast and mashed potato. That sounds good to me. Like as a kid, I would have either gone with Bo's choice of spaghetti or I would have been the, the pancake guy. Well, whenever we would go out to a restaurant when I was a kid, I would always try to order pancakes. If it was dinner at a restaurant, didn't matter what the restaurant was, I would ask, can I have pancakes? <laughs> Sometimes I would get pancakes. So as a kid, I probably would have said pancakes. But as an adult, I'm going to say it, it, my last choice, it, it would either be a meatball sub. I don't know if you've ever had meatball subs. Mm. Well, Subway. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- that to me, that's like, oh, amazing. Or I would go with lasagna. And I think lasagna is just because it's it's more of a novelty where I can have pasta a bake. burger. Pasta bake. That's right. He would be the pasta bake guy. I do like, like I can, lasagna, though. I don't dislike lasagna. I do and like I don't lasagna. dislike pasta bake. It's just pasta bake over lasagna is, is the well done over medium rare. I'll get fucked. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I, I think lasagna is like, oh, that's a that's a special occasion. You're not gonna have lasagna every single day, but yeah, oh, I just a love special it. occasion. Well, but I'm saying it, it's it's a lot more time consuming. It probably costs more than making spaghetti or pasta bake. Oh, are you talking so, about like making? Like I like we used to yeah, get exactly. Um, we used to get. I think it was with Louise. Frozen. We used to just get like yeah, the family frozen one. You stick in the oven. Yeah. I don't think I my very first ever girlfriend, a girl by the name of Cat long time ago she made i remember she made me a, a lasagna that was good like she made it from scratch i think she even made the pasta god why did i let her go um but <laughs> <laughs> she let me go that's it's another story but uh <laughs> familiar story but um yeah i like lasagna there's a keto lasagna i think i had once I miss lasagna, Colin. Stop making me talk about lasagna. I'm like Garfield all of a sudden. Let's have, let's have lasagna. Um, oh, quiche. Oh, quiche. But like Mel Gibson, like we say, he's, he's been very forgiving. He'll say things like, you know, would you kindly stop calling me father? And it's like, you do know that I'm not a reverend anymore. And uh, uh, father, thank you for coming uh, after I killed your wife. You're welcome. You know, he's, <laughs> he's always been very composed. And I think the close we've had to him, really lashing out was the scene with Meryl where they're talking about, you know, are you a signs or are you a luck person? And that's where he says, you know, that there, there is nothing controlling our destiny or whatever. But here during the dinner scene was like, you know, what's going on? Everybody eat. It's like, shouldn't we say a prayer first? And this is where he's been, I'm not wasting one more minute. Like he basically blows up. And I'm sure every person can, can, can identify with this. Like there's something that bothers you. Like most people are not like immediately like, Oh, 
Max Dawson, yes. <laughs> you're just you're going to let something build and then you lash out. And that's sort of what the breaking point is for Mel Gibson. And I love that this actually comes immediately after the scene where he's probably been the most forgiving. And like the kids are basically saying, it's like, oh, I want to have French shows. I want to that. That's usually when you tell your kids, shut up and eat what I tell you. <laughs> you know? But instead, he's like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's have a feast. And then he's immediately like screaming at the kids. And this is where Roy Culkin says, I hate you. Like, I think if I had the I hate you comment here, I'd accept a little bit more than having it just randomly preceded by I wish you were my dad when it never came up at any other part in the movie. It, it just sort of random. comes out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, uh, uh, the way that Mel Gibson is like, fine, if nobody else is going to eat, I'm going to try a little bit of everything. <laughs> and he starts taking like four cloves of mashed potatoes. But the way that Mel Gibson just suddenly breaks down and cries here, and then Rory Culkin, of all person, is the one who comes up and hugs him. Like Another one of these moments where we're like, like, this is an emotional movie. Like it, It's funny, it's scary, but then you throw these scenes in here, and it's just like, it catches you off guard. Um, the uh, They don't really get a chance to eat, which is one of the things I, I still am bothered. Even when they're locked in the cellar, and they're like... About to die, I'm thinking like all that food is gonna go to waste. <laughs> the the aliens probably ate it. Yeah, they, they avoided the water, but yeah, they definitely had some of the food. Um, they, I don't just notice it is mashed potatoes, but it's dry. There's no gravy on that. Can you eat? Do you like mashed potatoes if dry? You can if you season it well enough. Uh, you can put some cream in there, maybe. But see, it's weird. Mashed potato, not uh I'm indifferent on mashed potatoes. Not maybe my favorite way of having potato because I think. I have childhood trauma of my mum with mashed potato. It would be lumpy mashed potato. And lumpy mashed potato, mm. not good. I don't like the chunks yeah. in it. Whereas, like, if you've got, like, a nice, nice smooth mashed potato, uh, yeah, gravy on top, yes, please. Or nice melted cheese or, like, a cheese sauce on it, really mm. good. Um, like, uh, the KFC potato and gravy, not really potato, let's be honest. It's some substitute <laughs> for it. But, Cardboard, um, asbestos. Yeah, I think... I think Louise's mum used to do a really good mashed potato at Christmas time, but um, not to take away from my mum, but like she didn't do very good mashed potato. So it put me off mashed potato for a while. Um, but no, I, I like a good, good mashed potato. Yeah. Yeah. I like mashed potatoes to me. I, I, I'm not like one of these crazy about potato people. Like it, it's okay. I don't mind it. We eat potatoes because they're cheap. <laughs> it helps to stretch things out. But uh, for me, if I had the choice between mashed potatoes, I'll always choose roasted potatoes. Like a lot of people love mm. baked potatoes. To me, baked potatoes is one of the more boring ones. But you roast potatoes like in, in yeah. oil and, and oh, when they're crispy. Amazing. My my yeah. my grandma used to. She had like an electric fry fry pan, and the way she used to like like chop them into like little squares and kind of like you know like they're sort of like a roasted fried sort. Of, oh God, mm. they were. Amazing. She did it in butter, not oil. Oh, mm. oh. Mm. that was good. Yeah, I'm with you. <clears throat> Roast potato, like bake. Like, yes. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of, um, like the potato skin when people leave them on. Like, not a big fan. But like, um, yeah, no. Roast potato over baked potato. I'm on board with that. Yeah. Um, they don't get to eat it though because the monitor starts humming. Uh, and then the test signal comes on the TV. Uh, and we have that great line too. It's like, it's happening. Like, this is where the, the plot for the happening. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan would have never made the movie The Happening if people weren't like the it's happening line. It just became like so famous. But uh, thank you for that line. Now we got The Happening as a movie. And in the, uh, in the finish- happening, does somebody go, the village is down the road? <laughs> <laughs> and in that movie, do they go, there's... What what's happening? What's the happening? <laughs> the the last air bender. Uh. <laughs> in After Earth, they're like, 
this is old. <laughs> Earth is old. <laughs> and then suddenly it comes full circle. I'm seeing a sign over there. <laughs> I've got a sense, a sixth sense. I'm I'm sort of split on whether that's glass or if it's unbreakable glass. Um, hey, I never actually pieced that together. Unbreakable and glass is a reason why those two things go together. Okay, now I get it. I'll do <laughs> call it. Everyone glass. knew that. <laughs> we covered uh, glass um, uh, with Martina. By the way, uh, congratulations on Aww. getting married. Uh, former multiple time co-host of the show, Martina from Amazing or Amazing Aww. Race Canada. Yes, good for her. Uh, uh, so. Yeah, the, the boarding up scene, they're finished boarding up. And I always forget that this is the scene in the movie. But again, it's one of the best scenes in the movie. I always think it goes straight from like the, the monitor and the, the TV test signal to get into the cellar kid. But they finish boarding up the, the doors because they have enough boards for a six to seven foot door, but not for a three by three window. Uh, but um, the way he's telling the story is like, again, just now he's back to loving father where he, he's not going to do anything other than just tell the kids. Can I tell you the story about when you're born? Now I didn't realize this was the trivia here that this is the story of M night Shyamalan's kid's birth. Um, I mean, I've got, you know, stories. I don't know if I would necessarily, I, this, I could probably come up with some stories to tell my kids about their birth, but it's just, this is just sort of like, let's calm the kids down thing. Uh, I love that. Uh, <laughs> basically, with uh, with one kid, it's like the sweetest story in the world, and the other one is like, "You almost killed your mother." <laughs> Thanks, Dad, but uh, uh, it wasn't Ray Reddy; it was uh, Morgan or Bo. I can't remember which one killed the mom. Um, Morgan, Morgan almost killed the mom. Yes, but uh, I love that. Oh, while this is all happening, you still you hear the noise outside. You hear the dog barking and everything, and, and then just the dog dying, where you Aww. just suddenly hear, and it's like, "Oh, we forgot about Isabel." Arr! Dog's dead, anyways. Get out of here. Um, <laughs> We hear the noises on the roof. Uh, then we actually, they have it, they're inside the house. Uh, and um, we see I think the fingers clawing underneath the door. Uh, with the lights from outside, that's really scary where you start seeing the lights from outside and the rattling and all that. Uh, when they all go into the cellar, um, that's where you have like the, this is where M. Night Shyamalan is using like little gags to set up a creepy scare later on where he takes the ax to try to barricade the door as the aliens are trying to get in and he breaks the light bulb. Uh, so the later when you have the flashlights, you can have that scare, uh, which I, I I know you said like the hand on it, like I, I, that I'll agree with you of all like the jump scares. That's sort of like you see it coming, especially because they're like looking around with the flashlights. Like, wait, they can still get in somewhere. Didn't they used to pour coal in this basement? I love that the question is, wait, they used to pour coal in this basement. And then you see the giant coal chute. And it's like, <laughs> how did you ever miss this? <laughs> I think, I think my point with it is that, I remember when I first saw it, it scared me, but I think it's it's maybe the one jump scare that doesn't hold up because, like, once you know that what, if you've seen it and you know what's coming, you actually can clearly see the hand before it moves. That's, that's well, where I think it – that's when I – like, I remember seeing it for the first time, like, fuck, like, that scared me, but, yeah. For, for me, it's more the anticipation for this, like because this is the only jump scare in the movie where they tell you it's coming. Like you even you see that shot of one flashlight on the left, one flashlight on the right, slowly coming to the center. And you know very well, as soon as it comes to the center, you're going to see something. Uh, they're setting up, hey, you're going to be scared here. And then when it comes, it's like, oh, well, that was good. But like, was it? Was it worth the one time you're going to actually uh, set this up? But still, I, I still love the anticipation that, like, I don't want to look. I don't want to look. You're going to see it. But still, like, that, that cool shoot. This is, like, Tommy Wiseau in the room uh, when we did the disaster <laughs> artist. Like, 
really? How do you not recognize that guy? It's like, how do you not recognize the giant coal chute <laughs> that takes up half of a wall in your basement? I, I, they, they used to do that down here. Somebody told me once upon a time. Um, this leads to uh, Morgan having the asthma attack. Uh, which again, great dramatic scene, great acting from Mel Gibson here, where he's saying, he's like, you just feel my breath, breathe in, breathe out or whatever. Um, and this is the first moment where he acknowledges, it's not like him saying God doesn't exist anymore. He he basically says, I hate you to God. Don't do this to me again. Okay. Uh, I hate all of you. <laughs> and not just the, the, the Hindus, but the Muslims and the Jews. <laughs> no, he hates everybody. <laughs> I hate all Especially the Mormons. <laughs> Joseph Smith wasn't a prophet, dum 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 dum. <laughs> and the Scientologist Zenu or whatever your name is. Uh, this was a perfect movie for this is what ended Mel Gibson's career. <laughs> it's a little too close to home. I'd, I'd watch that reality show. Mel Gibson yells at the religions coming soon to Fox. <laughs> Hi, of course I'm Mel it would Gibson. be on Fox. <laughs> this week. I hate them! I hate all of them! The Mormons! <laughs> <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses, I hate you too. <laughs> the Winnipegians, they suck. <laughs> Mennonites can drop dead. <laughs> Probably would do very well in 2022. Especially on Fox. <laughs> I just just makes me always think of the Simpsons whenever they bag out Fox. <laughs> That's the one where they're talking about like the satellite. They're like, oh, it's a Fox satellite. And you see it and it's got like an old thing. It's like rusted. And stuff like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he does recover from the, um, uh, the, the asthma attack here. Uh, and we get the second flashback. And this is where we get the majority of it, where he's talking to, to Cherry Jones and basically saying, this is, he was, he fell asleep briefly this happened, but she's pinned in a way that like, if we move the car, she'll die. It's sort of weirdly keeping her alive. And it's like, do you understand what I'm telling you? I, I just love this line here. It's like, you're saying this is the last time I'm going to be able to speak with my wife. He goes, yes. And then they cut it off again there. And this is great that like we, they save this conversation for later on. Cause he had the one mention of the line early on about her final words, but we haven't seen anything. Uh, and then uh, Meryl, when he wakes up says, I found the light bulbs or whatever. Uh, the radio's on again. They're saying like, it's over. It's all done. They, oh, they found this, a, sorry to interrupt again. Yeah. Like when he's went after the bit, when the arm moves onto Rory Culkin and he's boarding up the coal chute and he's putting all the dog food up and then he puts that one can on top of it. I love oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the single can that'll stop <laughs> So them. funny. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, uh, yeah, the, the radio is basically saying like, uh, oh yeah, the, I think they even say like it was somewhere in the Middle East. They found a way to defeat them. Like nobody knows yet how they defeated them, but like everybody, what I do like is not like we all started beating them uh, and we've defeated them all. It's basically like something spooked them. So again, th there's something I'm going to say again with the, the people who want to say this ending is stupid or doesn't make sense. One of the things that, that Rory Culkin says early in the movie is like one or two things will happen will uh, they'll either be defeated and they'll come back decades or hundreds of years later when they figured out a better way to do this or they'll beat us that's an important line people have to remember because they just simply say something spooked them so i think what this is is they're like we got to take a shot this planet could save our 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 species we know there's water let's see if we can beat as many of them as possible but if it if it starts turning badly if they start you know killing us finding a way to kill us or this water thing 
starts uh, splashing too much around. Uh, then we got to flee. And that's basically what they say here. They say they something spooked them and they took off. So yep. this is not like, oh, they're stupid for invading. This is the first part of the line. I'm not saying they're going to make a sequel of it, but they're saying, yeah, they will eventually come back. The other, the other part too, which is also like going back to our point explaining that, you know, as I said, they, they're running out of resources. They've got no choice. The other thing is too, they might not know what water is. So they might not yeah. know that water. Like, Well, but they did avoid the water. I think it's implied they know what it is. But, but well, maybe it, like, they look at the planet and go, oh, what is that? That might be like this thing on our planet. We should avoid that. It's, like, it's no different to like if we landed on Mars and there was like this giant red patch. And we go, oh, we don't know what that is. It might be like toxic gas. We probably should avoid yeah. that. Like, but so, you know. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go along that, those lines. Like, I, I, I think I disagree. I think they know what water is. But I'm going to say another thing here. When people are going to call this out and say, well, if they know that water kills them, they know water kills them, which means water exists on their planet. So it's not like you can avoid water, apparently. Like, if if if, if they know water, if, if this is the theory people say, well, if they know water, they should never come to Earth. If they know water kills them, that means water exists on their planet, which means they already are living among water. For all we know, their planet is 90% water. And they're coming yeah. here because it's 70% water. Like, if point. they know water kills them, that further explains they live on a place with water. So this this ending makes total sense. And we go into space and we know that lack of oxygen kills us. So, yes, but we exactly. still go into space. Like, I mean, we've we're, worked we're, out ways to get away with it, haven't we? We've gone to the moon, you know. Exactly. Uh, people live underwater. Uh, <laughs> it's not like not, human not, beings, like, deliberately avoid, um, mm-hmm. you know, everything that will get. Like, I mean, people jump off buildings with, like, a rope. Like, I mean, oh, but oh, no, we wouldn't do that. We're humans. We avoid everything well, that would kill us. The, the lost world. There's that that line where they talk about the guy climbing Everest. Why did you go up there to die? He says, I didn't. I went up there to live. I mean, yeah, yeah we do things that kill us. You know, we we live Smoke. in places with these bad food. Yeah, cheeseburgers. Like, you're going to criticize the aliens. Mel Gibson's having a triple bacon cheeseburger. You know, Meryl's eating just chicken and teriyaki sauce. <laughs> no vegetables, we, nothing like that. We, we literally... Fill the oxygen up, the planet up with, you know, what is it, the day the yeah. Earth is still? Don't they come and punish us for, like, destroying the planet so they take all yeah, our exactly. technology away? So, I mean, yeah. you this know. like ending makes total sense. It does make uh, but, sense. But, yeah, it, it's very important that it says they got spooked and they went. Remember that line earlier on where they said they'll come back eventually? That's all they're doing here. They're like, we took a shot, didn't work. Um, yep. uh, they even said we, they left some of their wounded behind or whatever. Well, we're not going to waste time. They figured out how to kill us. Let's not let them kill all of us. We still have a shot this way. Um, basically, before they go upstairs, like we need to know 100% sure that they're gone before we open that door. And then they check the baby monitor. It's like, all right, that's good for me. Me too. <laughs> they go upstairs. Uh, I always I always wondered about the when you see like those weird star patterns in the curtains and everything with a light coming in. I'm like, yeah. did they like shoot stars in there? But now that I have children, I realize they make these things. They make curtains that have little designs for the light to come in. So it's like, it's not going to blind you with light, but it's like a cool little visual. Yeah. I was thinking like, I didn't know if that was, I'll also actually just quickly, the, uh, the, the baseball thing was on in 1997, according, I just saw the plaque. Oh, okay. So it's been a while. So it's been, what, five years? Um, Yeah, I was wondering if the aliens made those. Because are the shapes in the boards, though, or are they actual curtains? Because I thought they were in the boards. I think it's curtains. I thought it was curtains. 
Right. Uh, because you see another curtain, there's a, uh, another shot where I think it was earlier in the movie where you see a curtain and it has like those designs in it. But Casper's got something like that in his room, not like as big as that, but it's like it's little stars. So it kind of looks like nighttime, but you get the light from the stars coming in if it's daytime. Um, but yeah, it, it always was like, well, did they make that? Like, did they sit there and say, I know what we're going to do? We're going to carve some fancy patterns into the curtains. That'll send them a message. Um, <laughs> They're probably now, swear to- words in their language. It's probably like, fuck exactly. you, earthlings. <laughs> Johnny's a douchebag for kissing Barbara. (laughs) (laughs) Furry, furry rabbits, gay. (laughs) I hate the Jews. (laughs) Max, it was said in a context. Don't tweet out about it, all right? Uh, Now, I'm going to say with um, the the jump scare that's going to come up here, next to the Brazilian, Mexico, whatever footage we see, is the best one in this movie. Uh, before we get there, though, when uh, Morgan's obviously has had his asthma attack, but he still needs his medicine. Uh, you almost kill a spider or a mosquito? What was that? I went to pick up my phone and I apparently just threw it across my desk because <laughs> I'm Russell Crowe circa 2004 throwing phones at people. So um, meanwhile, Colin's trying to work out what's for breakfast, I think, or is talking to Casper about not stabbing a hamster. Or everything's has, happening right now on the Oz Network. She asks, how do you want your eggs? I'm like, surprise me. <laughs> how do you like your eggs? Uh, yeah, I actually like poached eggs, but Jamie doesn't like taking the time to poach eggs. Oh, well. Otherwise, I don't mind scrambled. Lazy? <laughs> well, that's why I say surprise me. You know, let, let you pick. Um, but, uh, you know, we actually have those things where it's like, it's I don't know, it's just like a little silicon cup that you just mm. put the egg in and you boil it. So it's, she does she doesn't want to do that. That's too much work. Anyways, um, Jamie's oh, shortcomings you, aside. <laughs> yeah, your wife's shortcomings as she's slaving over making you breakfast while you're sitting on your ass talking about a movie released 20 years ago. Yeah, Jamie's the, the horrible one here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we get that quick thing when um, uh, Abigail Breslin is saying, they're doing this on TV. <laughs> she does the funny dance like, they're dancing. Yeah, they're doing this. She just does it again. I wanted to recreate that now at the age of 26. Go for it. it. Uh, but uh, naked. Yeah, this is where we get that. I'll bring the TV in so you can see. And all in one shot goes out, takes the TV, wheels it in. It's that, that thing where the TV spins around and you only see the reflection of the TV of the alien holding Rory Culkin. That's the other part of this movie that's still to this day. It's like, <laughs> my heart's pounding now. Um, and this is where the best piece, maybe with the best piece of music James Newton Howard's ever written kicks in. Everything from this point on with the theme, the, the, like the way it slowly builds and it gets like so big later on. But basically the aliens holding him and they, I think they had mentioned something about they have gas and you see that it has the gas that comes out of its wrists, um, which you're thinking, great. It's just gas Roy Culkin, but hey, Typical Mel Gibson has got to gas things. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I, I just love this climax, the way that it all plays out, because you get that flashback again of the wife dying and the, the scene all of a sudden starts calming down. And he had referenced earlier on, oh, her last words were, you know, uh, I don't even think he said swing away. It's like uh, uh, Meryl, or maybe it was swing away, but it's like she just remembered one of your baseball games. So there was no meaning to it at all. And this way has the flashback where she's giving the whole speech where she says, uh, you know, tell uh, Morgan to remember to play. He doesn't have to be serious all the time. Tell Bo to listen to her brother. Tell Graham. And it's like, tell me what? Tell Graham C. 
and tell Meryl swing away. Uh, you want to talk about giving chills? Like I, I get goosebumps just the way that this plays out. Like it's one of these moments where you want to chill. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. But the way that he, all of a sudden he just like tell Meryl swing away and he looks at the bat and he just says Meryl swing away and Meryl picks up the bat. And then when he's swinging and he hits the glass and you see the mm. water and that's when you're like, whoa, now I'm getting what this ending is. Again, people, I think, I don't doubt that there are people who are like, oh, I totally saw this twist coming. But again, it's different when you have somebody saying, oh, there's a surprise ending on it. Then you're looking, you're watching a movie looking for it. This movie has not presented itself as being a, a, an M. Night Shyamalan movie. And also in defense, I mean, the previous movies he did, The Sixth Sense, that was like, we have a massive plot twist on the end big shocker unbreakable was more like oh i didn't see that coming this is more like unbreakable we are like oh that's not that that's a twist but it's more hey i didn't see that coming i'd be curious to see how this plays out but it is so i i still say this is so effective the way this plays out uh where you suddenly realize the baseball bat him you know having the home run record him uh you know always feeling the need it felt wrong not to swing uh the the water the the, the asthma uh, even her saying, tell Graham C and like, okay, what am I looking for him? Remembering that scene wrong until the last moment. Cause he basically says, oh yeah, she just said, you know, tell Meryl swing away. It's like, he missed the uh, other part of it when they actually go outside. Like there's that big shot where the camera's like swinging around as Mel Gibson's like laying him on the ground and stabbing him with the syringe. Uh, uh, and, and his moment where he's like, you know, uh, this is the reason why like, going back to that speech where he's like, you're either a person who believes in signs or a person who believes in luck, where he's like, there was a reason this is why he had asthma. This is, this is why, because his lungs were closed. The drama waiting for like, again, it's still effective. And I know how this movie ends this, the pause where he's like, breathe, breathe. And they keep cutting back to Meryl and they, and, uh, Bo crying. And then they cut back. And then when you get the voice off camera where it's like dad, and you're like, who was it that mm. said that? And they go down and he's okay. Um, it's just amazing. And I, I, I will say I've probably listened to this track. Now, the track on the sound is called The Hand of Fate Part 2. Uh, this five minutes of music, I can listen to as much as any song by any actual artist. I can listen to The Hand of Fate Part 2 as much as anything Rihanna has ever recorded uh, and not get sick of it. Like, I will listen to this just for fun. I will listen to this while I'm running. It's just an amazing piece of music. But everything with this plays perfectly. Like, this is the best filmmaking of M. Night Shyamalan's career. I'm going to follow it up with the final scene, which I have a little bit of a complaint about. Like, I like that you have that, that ending uh, where it's okay. Happy ending. But do we need the final scene where you have that, that swing around where all of a sudden it goes from summer to winter and you see he's got his Reverend collar on again. Now that's okay. If you had left it that, but to me, the part that bothers me more than anything else is that while you have him dressing his Reverend collar in the background, you hear, Morgan laughing. Ah, ha, ha, that's so fun. That's so fun. You hear Meryl hitting a baseball, the baseball battle. You have literally fit everything the mother said with the exception of Bo being like, I'm going to listen to you, Morgan. That's a good idea. You are a good brother. Like, that's the only thing you're missing. Like, I, I think you could have just done the scene with him in the collar and not had to have the sounds of Meryl playing baseball and the sounds of Morgan playing in the background. So you tied everything the mother said together. Still, I don't hate the ending, but it's sort of like, did we actually need that? But everything up until there, Amazing. Best stuff Shyamalan's ever done. I didn't know there was, I didn't pay attention to the baseball hitting and all that in the background and all that kind of stuff. So clearly I wasn't uh, paying too much attention. Did you, Um, I don't know whether we ever really talked about you seeing the scary movie franchise. 
Um, oh yeah, there was there was one part I wanted to. You you can go first on that because I know you're a bigger fan of those than I am. I only the first three that I think I saw the fourth. Like they got I lo- like the first two I watched on repeat in high school, and my friends and I used to quote them today. I recently watched a best of compilation of number one and number two, and I kind of want to rewatch them now just because I just remember how fucking funny they were. But um, I, the third one I remember that's when they started to really drop off on quality. But the third one was when they did a lot of signs parody and it was Charlie Sheen and Denise Richards uh, recreating this scene when his wife's like pinned against a tree. And I'm pretty sure like Denise Richards is like, never marry or sleep with another woman again. And Charlie Sheen's like, I can't hear you. You're mumbling words. Oh, I miss you already. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Which, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you've, if you watched that, I, seen that. I wasn't like the biggest fan of the the first two scary movies. Like I watched them both and it was more like, yeah, there's some amusing parts, but I wasn't crazy about it. the third one. I love mostly because like you had Leslie Nielsen and Charlie Sheen in there. Uh, but the, the one thing I remember more than anything is actually the, the lead up to this scene because you have all those flashbacks with Mel Gibson driving up in the car, you know, and you see the ambulances, mm. the way the scary movie repaired it. I don't even remember, but it's such a somber scene in signs. And everybody knew signs at this point when Charlie Sheen's driving up, he's listening to La Cucaracha or something like And he actually goes, Hey, <laughs> that's the part that I still remember the most. Um, the fourth yeah. one was not great. No, the fourth. No, yeah, I don't. I think I maybe saw half of it, but like, it's isn't it funny how like you think about movies that, I mean, maybe it's like signs like you watch so many movies as a kid and then all of a sudden you don't watch them for a while and then all of a sudden you remember like hey they're great like Austin Powers we're going to be eventually doing them on 007 and I watched like the first two when I was on a plane recently and I was like fuck I, I love these movies so much but the other night I was just like laying in bed and it just popped up on like some feed of mine and it was like Anchorman the best bits and like I don't even think I've ever seen like Anchorman like both of them like once I think I saw the second one of the movies and the first one I'm like okay they're quite funny I don't maybe think they're as good as everyone says they are but then I started watching the clips and I'm like these are really funny like I need to rewatch these and it's like Zoolander I think that made my didn't make my top 10 it made my top 20 Mm -hmm. and I watched that recently I'm like fuck this movie's great I need to watch the second one again because that was so so and then I was also thinking of um, Step Brothers, like just random movies that you just are dumb and stupid. And like, I'll do that with my Jim Carrey love. All of a sudden, I'm like, fuck, I haven't watched all the 90s Jim Carrey's movies. So I need to do that with the scary movies because I used to watch, like, the, particularly the first one and then the second one, like, grab my hand, no, the strong one. Um, so, like, oh, God, I love those movies. I love the Wayne Brothers. Make them uh, well, a thing I was going to say. I was going to say, the Wayans Brothers definitely got worse after Scary Movie, White Chicks. Don't start uh, on White Chicks. White <laughs> Chicks is a great movie. I'm not going into this again. White I still, Chicks I still is still, fucking hilarious. I don't remember what episode that was, but when it, when it came up, the shock when I said White Chicks, you're like, what, like White Chicks isn't a love movie? I'm like, it really isn't. Do you know the reputation? And then afterwards, you come into the realization, it's like, oh, I guess White Chicks kind of it's, is not a popular movie. <laughs> it's it's one of these ones that has like a cult following though. Like it's, it, it is like- Oh, I mean, yeah. Any Wayans Brothers movie does. It's, it's, I mean, I've never, what was the one they did? Little Man or something? I've never seen that. Yeah. Um, but because I, I remember Louise used to love, was it My Wife and Kids that Damon Wayans did? Um, oh yeah, the TV show. Yeah, I remember that, that. was that was quite good. And like, she mm-hmm. just I don't know, like it was this random thing where she loved my wife and kids. I've never heard of this show before. So like, I w- used to watch it with her. I'm like, this is quite funny. I like this. <laughs> and like, I don't. I was way too young to even ever see in Living Color or whatever it was. And I don't think we ever got it in Australia anyway. Um, but yeah, I funny people. Anyway, so this scene of the death 
like it's great, but it just reminds you of a scary yeah. movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like so much of this, like at the end, like I mean, this is kind of what we're saying before. There's nothing really we're nitpicking about this movie because mm-hmm. the the dinner table scene is epic like it's so well acted and so emotional it's funny you talk about like the food sitting on the table uh the thing that bothers me the most is the dirty dishes in the sink when you got that scene of all like wash your dishes as you cook mel it's not that hard Mm -hmm. like well because you even see the potato peels still sitting on the counter that bugs me you can't just throw those in the garbage like I, I I know the world's ending, but like still clean up. Like you know, like but like this is also what I I like about the sort of how this is done because it's, you know, it's it's got again not being a horror movie fan, so I'm assuming this is how horror movies are. But like it's just that whole sense of unknown. You're locked in a house. You you're hearing noises. You you're not seeing everything, and it's it's creepy. But like it's also a case of that. Um, you know, it's most horror movies are just what generally you've got a ghost in a house. It's not the world's ending. Like if you're 17 miles away, this isn't affecting you. Whereas this is like a, almost like an end of the world thing. If an alien invasion was happening, the world's all going to come together. So like, this is kind of thinking about this, where they're listening to the radio and the news and all that stuff. And like just subtle little freaky things about like the baby monitor. To me, the freakiest thing is the, the test pattern on TV. Like, yeah. cause that's when, you know, shit's gone down. Like, TV stopped broadcasting. Oh, fuck, like, we're screwed. Because, again, that was a Man of Steel thing, right, wasn't it? Like, when they took over all the transmission and everything. But, yeah, the hand under the door. And I'd laugh so much if the twist of this movie was, oh, my God, they're aliens. Oh, no, it's just Lionel Pritchard and the Wolfington Brothers. Lionel! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we thought you were aliens. Um, but, like, yeah, everything else... Um, the, yeah, the I hate you bit's a bit random, but again, it doesn't make me dislike Rory Culkin. I don't think the children yeah. are annoying in this at all. And is it breakfast time? What Colin type of eggs did we get? I'm guessing not poached. Over easy. Over easy. Oh, there over we go. Easy. Oh. Thank you. Is over um, easy where the yolk's on the bottom? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Are you a runny yolk person or a cooked yolk? I, we've talked about this. I, I I don't like like super runny, but I want it. I want mm. it in between. I want it like it's it's moist. I'm completely like God. I'm I'm well done. Yeah, you're egg. you're a well done. Egg. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like run- my parents. Oh my God! Like they used to be offended. Like Ben, no runny egg over everything. Yum! And I'm like, ooh, ooh. like I don't want yellow gook all over my food. Like you know, I'm one of those people who doesn't really like food touching each other and mi- mixing with each oh, other. Oh, my like- brother's like that. He 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 does not like anything touching. Like certain things can, but I'm very much a separate on your plate type person. So, you know, like I like to enjoy my food individually. I'm an individual. But uh, yeah, like I think the flashback actually weirdly works. Like it kind of crosses into it and it's a bit odd the way it comes yeah. about, but it, it, it works. And yeah, the, the <laughs> they're doing this on TV is funny. But yeah, the, the alien in the TV is fucking freaky. I mean, the alien doesn't really hold up special effects wise, but I mean, name a movie in 2002 where special effects did hold up uh, as we discover a lot. Um, but... The one bit, okay, one bit I will criticize when you see the missing fingers. I do kind of like the camouflage, how you see like his fingers of like camouflage with the shirt. Do we really need the flashback of Mel Gibson chopping the fingers off? This yeah. happened like 12 minutes ago, M. Night, Charlemagne, Lama, Ding Dong. Like, we're not that dumb. Like they're trying to explain, well, why is this one still there without making it, without making the audience think, oh, the aliens didn't actually leave. But, like, they already said on the radio they left some of their wounded behind, so this could have been anybody, you know? Because in the – but is this an M. Night Shyamalan thing? Because, like, isn't in the sixth sense 
when he does, when Bruce Willis realizes he's dead, don't they do flashbacks to show you scenes of him interacting with people when no one? I like, think so. Yeah. Yeah, like, and I don't know if he does this in all of his movies. Um, also, like, with the alien, because you don't really see a lot of it, but don't we, like, I love the way, like, this camouflage works because you kind of, you see, like, each of the people's visions in his skin or the, the like, its skin. It could be a woman alien, a woman. Because, like, don't you see, like, screaming Abigail, like, in his back? Yeah. And, like, you see, like, that's kind of cool how they do that. Um, so, yeah, but... Um, yeah, uh, apparently I read the trivia that pretty much this entire movie was actually filmed chronologically, except mm-hmm. for this scene outside because it was getting to winter. Yeah, the the ending's a bit hammy. I mean, it's a bit preachy, religious-y, and I'm not a big fan of those sort of things, but um, Mel Gibson pulls off a priest uniform well. He's off to uh, <laughs> go bash some Jews, I think. So, um, <laughs> But, I mean, like, it's, a, it's an interesting point you said before about how you know, it's not necessarily sequel setting up because M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong doesn't really do sequels, but, like, how they say, like, oh, they could come back in, like, 500. Like, I mean, what isn't, like, Split and all that, like, crossovers with Unbreakable and Glass, like, they're all connected. So he yeah. could always do this. He could always do, like, the Signs sequel because it's sort of planted a seed in there where it says, like, they'd come back in a certain amount of time. So Maybe that's what know. Nope is. Maybe it is. Wouldn't that be cool? You just told Jordan Peele. Just do my sequel. I don't want to do it. Yeah, I'm bored. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. Like, I mean, yeah, famous last words. This isn't going to go long, but I don't think we've really criticized. Like, even about a boy, yeah. I feel we had a few things. Like, and, like, you know, there are always movies that we will find things even that we love. Um, but, I mean, wasn't it Day After Tomorrow? I think the majority of that was us nitpicking how ridiculous <laughs> half it was, but we fucking love that movie. But, like, this is, yeah, there's, like, one or two things Mm-hmm. Where it doesn't really make like actually one that he's a nitpick when you see the shot of the house with the broken windows where the aliens have come in those how the fuck do the aliens fit in the side they're like like a punch mm-hmm. the hole in the window and they fit through those um, but yeah I mean it's there's really not a lot to nitpick in this movie because the criticisms that people have of it are dumb they're stupid they're unfounded uh, it's not a plot hole that they come to a planet with water and I hate that like mm-hmm. I used to watch all those Watch Mojo top tens and the uh, culture, what culture, whatever the hell they are. And they'd always have this in the like, dumbest plot twist. And these signs would always be like number one or number two. It's like, it's not dumb. It's so easily yeah. explained. Um, so critically, this is actually, it's pretty decent. It's got 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I mean, it's probably not the highest Shyamalan movie, but I actually find the, the criticisms and even just the trend of, oh, well, he had... Sixth Sense Academy Award nominated movie, Unbreakable, this movie that's considered a classic. And then he had signs where people were like, oh, it's a fun movie, but, uh, you know, not quite the extent of the first two. Uh, very similar to what Jordan Peele has with Nope right now, which is what's so weird that Nope has these similar signs. You have this director who just did these two incredible movies. Uh, one gets nominated for Oscars, the follow-up doesn't, but people are still like, wow, that was like equally brilliant. And then you have, I'm just going to do a fun movie. Because really what Shyamalan was doing with signs, I think he, there's even a comment in an interview where he said, I just wanted to make a popcorn movie. I didn't want to do something that was dark and serious. And yet somehow I still feel like this movie's deeper and uh, it's more dramatic than most of what we get out of Sixth Sense or Unbreakable. Uh, but 74% still not bad, um, better than what he's going to get for his next couple of movies. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it a perfect four out of four stars. Uh, mm. He says, Shyamalan Signs is the work of a born filmmaker able to summon a apprehension out of thin air. When it's over, we think not how little has been decided, but how much has been experienced. 
Um, bad review here. Uh, there, there was one which was a single star. Uh, Mick LaSalle, San Francisco Chronicle, only gave it one out of four stars and said the film had few thoughts and no thrills. Um, totally disagree with that. Uh, I'll, I don't, when we get to IMDb, I don't know if you, well, let's just do IMDb now because uh, if you can help me navigate, if you could find a one-star review. Yeah, I I've, I've, I've got them up, but I just want to just quickly on, you're talking about his ratings. I've, on his Wikipedia page, it's got his critical reception. So this is his third, according to Rotten, High, Rotten Tomatoes, his third highest film. So yes, Six, Split Sense, six, six Sense has 86%, Split has 77%, Signs 74 Unbreakable 70 Um, Then you're going to go The Visit 68 Old 50, Wide Awake 45. Ugh. Old, what? <laughs> old old should be way at the bottom. Wow. <laughs> uh, the Village 43, Glass 37, Lady in Water 25, The Happening 17, After <sighs> 11, and The Last Airbender 5. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree with that. I'm a massive fan of the animated series, but I agree with 5% of that. Lady in the Water is way too low. Like, people got to give that a second. I, I know I saw somebody recently who rewatched all of Shyamalan's movies, and like, they were also surprised. Like, wow, Lady in the Water is really good. So, is that the Bryce Dallas, Texas chance. one? Yeah, her and Paul Giamatti. All right. So, we want one mermaid or sea creature. Do we want one, one star? Okay, yeah. So, use the review one star. So, there's 271 one star reviews. Uh, so the heading here from Martin Lange, what was the guy on who invented this ridiculous story? Spoiler alert. Um, so, okay. This movie has good cinematography and one cannot argue about the good craftsmanship. However, who invented this ridiculous story? Let me get this right. Aliens can travel millions of light years in their spacecraft, but lack the technology of breaking into a wooden house. For that matter, a seven-foot-tall alien who can run like an Olympic athlete can be locked in... Okay, I'm not reading this crap. Shut up. Um, I, I'm going to say one thing. If, if I'm going to say there's any criticism this movie does deserve, it's going to be the whole breaking into the house thing. I understand they, they mentioned earlier on they're going to do some type of hand-to-hand thing, ground tactics, one on one, as opposed to any type of like mass scale war or weapons, because they're afraid we'd use nukes. That makes sense. But like, even if we're humans doing this, we're going to send them in with an axe or a sledgehammer or a baseball mm. bat, even like they're going to have something to actually be able to break in a door, a battering ram. But I mean, again, they might not know what weapons are. I don't know. Just because you can create a spacecraft doesn't mean you know what a weapon. Maybe they like. Maybe they're older on. They're a peaceful planet. They don't have weapons. <laughs> I'm like, we're a peaceful planet. We don't have weapons. Well, that's your own fault. That's why you got blown up. Um, if you had a, if you had a fall back, you would have been okay. Um, one star review here from Codge Lewis. Advanced beings who have master space travel but have a deadly. That's it. Uh, deplorable, no respect for science fiction or intelligence for that matter. Outlandish plot holes, ruined film. What plot holes do you have? Uh, I saw this film at a packed opening weekend showing in NYC. As the film progressed and the tension rose, I thought to myself that this was actually a pretty good film. There were scares, some laughs, and even some scenes that tugged at the old heartstrings. It reminded me of Night of the Living Dead and the original War of the Worlds, both of which are longtime favourites. During the final climactic scene, something so completely... Can I say this word in 2022? Retarded occurred that I was Max. It was read in a con. It was read in a review. <laughs> Shut up, fucking you. Tweet that, mate. I swear to God, I'm burning your beard off. Um, occurred that I was ripped out of the contended haze the movie had lulled me into. I was shocked. I turned to my girlfriend and said, 
They get killed by water? Water kills them. She said loudly, this movie is fucking dumb. And I said, I don't believe... Seriously? Like, oh, God. People... I was going to say, people don't have a life, he says, recording a movie about signs at 10 to 1 on a podcast. Um, Sucks totally. Don't believe the hype, especially not your own. This missing scene from the film explains massive plot. Oh, there's a missing scene? What Um, does don't believe the hype, especially not your own mean? (laughs) What does that even mean? I don't know. Religious sermon. Stupid. Really nothing at all. A simple-minded story. Too dreadful for words. Just a half-assed butt. Okay, there's so many here. Uh, breaks movie rule number one. What's movie rule number one? Don't insult your audience. What insulting? Like, what? Um, okay. Yeah, there's a lot here. All right. <laughs> oh, hang on. Preposterous. 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 Shut up, IMDb. <laughs> You're wrong. Plot uh, keywords? Plot keywords, yes. Uh, there pantry is month. Asthma. Pantry month. Can we do pantry month? <laughs> I was hoping for asthma attack month. Uh, oh, okay. But we Good could one. do pantry month too. Death of uh, Wife month. Kill Phil I'm 3. See what... That's number one. As Oh, Jamie will be up for this. Asthma attack month led off by Knock Knock with Keanu Reeves, Ooh. where some teenage girls knock on his door to try to seduce him. Jamie tried to audition for that. Hereditary oh, signs. Can I, can I audition for that? <laughs> teenage girls knock on my door. Um, I'm curious. Uh, do you have pantry month open there? I do. It. The Shining, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and Ratatouille. Followed by I'm a looking forward place. to... Ugh, Donnie Darko. Ugh. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Crying While Eating Month oh, yeah. uh, with signs, Riding the Bus with My Sister, uh, starring Rosie O'Donnell and Andy McDowell. Wow, we that's got a, That's that a porn film in Tasmania. <laughs> uh, an episode of something called Funny Shorts called Crying While Eating is the episode title. <laughs> Uh, and then a TV show called Gravity with an episode called Suicide Dummies. Um, Sounds good. Oh, Colin, Bookstore Month. Oh. Featuring. Featuring. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, You, The Worst Person in the World, and Murder, She Wrote. Where's Black Books? Literally a TV show <laughs> set in a bookstore. Um, what about Notting Hill? Um, can we actually, can we make a, like a pact that I feel like next year maybe – we actually commit to doing one of these months, like the most outlandish. Like yeah. I know we've said this on like a hundred yeah, episodes. Exactly. Oh, this one's so dumb. But like we need to choose one of these ones, like video cassette month coming soon yeah. in 2023. Severed finger month. Knives Out, The Big Lebowski, Primal Fear and Signs. Um, okay. Um, uh, any other good ones Dog here? month. Oh, Snow Dog. Dog. Oh. Um, Killing a Dog month. month. Here we go. <laughs> I'm a cat person, so the Northman, John Wick. Oh, too soon. American Psycho and Jaws. Oh, because the, jo- oh, the dog I like gets eaten month. in the water. That's right. That's a good yeah. month. All right. Uh, that's plot keywords. Uh, box office. Um, did I accidentally close my page? I just might have. Let's see if I can get back I'm there. I can, I can get back there. I can get back there. There we go. All right. All right, uh, right. All right so box office. So this movie... Uh, opened huge, like you said, um, 2002. It, it's actually, well, we're just barely removed from the 20th anniversary. It opened uh, first weekend in August in 2002. Uh, $60 million. Like Ooh. this blows away the six, I think the six cents and Unbreakable were like in the 30, $40 million range. And this opens with $60 million in August. And even now, August is where movies start to slow down. Like we just saw bullet train which just came out jamie and i and that's like the big august movie everything after this will be like smaller scale but uh 
August was not a big thing. So $60 million, like that's insane. Uh, it was number one, it knocked off Austin Powers and Goldmember, which made about half of this. Also opening that weekend was Master of Disguise with Dana Carvey, <laughs> one of Jamie's favorite movies. I don't know why. And Martin Lawrence Live, Run Till Dead. Run Till Dead. I don't know what that means. Um, also Full Frontal uh, opened in 19th place that week. Oh, the country it- bears in week two made $3.1 million. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was a competitive year. Uh, I guess the big thing is, um, you know, overall box office. Now, this was the year of like so many sequels. We talked about that. I'm just running through some of the sequels that came out in 2002. Um, the, the, the Summer of All Fears, Red Dragon, uh, The Santa Claus 2. Die Another uh, Day. Die Another Day, yeah. <laughs> um, Men in Black 2, Harry Potter 2, Star Wars Episode 2, Lord of the Rings 2, Spider-Man, I guess, franchise. But Signs was the sixth highest grossing film domestically of the entire year in 2002, $227 million, uh, just behind another movie we're going to be talking about very soon, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and just ahead of Austin Powers' Gold Member. Uh, like, this movie was enormous. Um, even if you look at the weekend box office that it had, this I completely forgot. I mean, it opened number one, obviously, dropped to number two for two weeks, then returned to number one for three weeks uh, at the end of August. Uh, what so- beat it the week after? Uh, the second weekend was, let's see, Triple uh, X, Vin Diesel, Triple oh. X. So, yeah, lost to Triple X for two weeks and then came back to number one, which that's when you know your movie's a big deal. When it not only has a big opening, but when it has enough staying power that it can remain at the top of the box office for several weeks after it came out, after losing the top spot. I mean, yeah, which, this movie would not go away. And so it's the third highest of the year that's not a sequel. Spider-Man's yeah. one, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and then Science. And for well, original film, second highest of the year. I know we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, but look, I love looking here, opening theatres, Signs, 3,264, yeah. My Big Fat Greek Wedding, 108. Um, Chicago yeah. only had 77? Okay. I mean, that, that's um, an Oscar release movie, though. With the, with the ones at the end of the year, like Chicago, they're going to release it in, like, a few theatres to build buzz that's first. That's insane, 108. Uh, cinemas in a couple of weeks. Wow. I think Kill Phil opened up in more than that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the thing with science, how people, like, talk it, oh, you know, whatever, it's actually not good. Like, it's a big fucking release. Like, you think about it, yeah, like, Spider-Man's an original movie, but, yeah, you're right, it's a franchise movie, it's a superhero movie. So you take away the top four, uh, which are sequels or franchise movies, and you got My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which we'll talk about just how big that was in a couple of weeks. Followed by signs. And then outside of that, what you have? Chicago, Catch Me If You Can. Uh, I mean, what aren't franchises here? I mean, even The Ring. Sweet Home Alabama. Minority Report. I mean, a Minority Report, I guess, it wasn't a franchise. Mr. Deeds says, why are we doing Mr. Deeds this month? I love Mr. Yeah. Deeds. Great movie. Do you? Um, yeah. Eight Mile. The Bore Night right Entity. There? I thought you were just like ooing at something you're eating. Um, no. How did uh, Snow... Snow Dogs beat We Were Soldiers and Gangs of New York. There's oh. some things. Divine Seekers of the Yaya Sister Weekend! <laughs> we missed the 20th anniversary. Oh, Cherry, Cherry Jones was busy in 2002. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to buy this movie. Me too. And I'll just get it out of the way. If we're ranking this versus About a Boy, I mean, I love About a Boy, but I think I'm going to rank signs slightly higher than About a Boy. Uh, I'm not. I mean, About a Boy was, what, 11th on my all-time in science and make my top 50, so I think we're going to know where uh, this will make because I don't think any of the other three made it. Although I would say that if I did 50 to 100, 
signs and Panic Room probably make. I, I still don't know why Panic Room is not in my top 50 because I fucking love Panic Room. But, um, yeah, they would probably be in my top 100 movies of all time, but only in my top 50. So, no, this will be second behind About a Boy. I think About a Boy is guaranteed to be number one for me. But, um, yeah, just, just, like, still thoroughly enjoy And this is where it's going to be tricky for me because next week, you know, I probably right now, if I had to say, I'd put Panic Room ahead of Signs, and I love Signs, and I haven't seen my Big Fat Greek Wedding in a long time, but I remember liking it. So, um, yeah, solid month we're doing. Yeah, and it is Panic Room next week, and oh. um, I, I'm, I'm glad you're hosting this one because uh, I uh, saw this movie once. I saw it when it first came out because oh, that looks like a cool movie. I mean, David Fincher had done some good movies prior to that. And I remember enjoying it. So I'm sure you have movies like this. You see it. You're like, wow, that was a really fun movie. I like that. And then you never get the urge to watch it again. And maybe if it's ever on TV, you don't really go out of your way. It's not that you have a problem with the movie. But you're just like, oh, yeah, one of these days I'll watch that again. Now, 20 years later, I will finally once again watch Panic Room. Yeah, I, I, just, I still am struggling to think if I saw this at the movies or not. I just... I think I did. I'm pretty sure I did. I, I know I saw Flight Plan and The Brave One at the movies. I guarantee I saw them, but I just, I can't remember if I saw those movies. But I, like, I watched this a lot when it came out again. Because, like, and I think this really solidified my love for Jodie Foster. And we'll talk about this next week. But, like, I, I'd seen Science of the Lambs. And I think that's probably all I saw her in. But, like, I don't know. I just, Jodie Foster, if I rank my top 10 actresses, she's in my top 10. I love Jodie Foster. And... I kind of wish we were almost saving this to do just like a the Jodie Foster badass trilogy, you know, this uh, the brave one and flight plan, because as I think I've explained in the show before, they slowly deteriorate in quality to the fact by the third one, Jodie Foster is just a criminal, <laughs> but like she steals a good, she's literally a serial killer in the third one, but we're rooting for her because she got revenge because Naveen Andrews got murdered, um, so that's all that matters. But this is great. I mean. So much about this I love. Like, the cast is so strong. I, I want to live in this house. I, it's beautiful house in New York. Like, it's great. Uh, you know, Jodie Foster, Kristen Stewart before everyone hated her. Well, actually, I think everyone hated her. I was going to ask who the again. kid was in this movie. It's Kristen Stewart. And, like, yeah. this is a weird thing because, like, I, I remember when Twilight became a thing and, like, she was like, oh, Kristen Stewart. I'm like, oh, she's the somewhat attractive girl from Panic Room. And I watched this movie now. She's not really that attractive in Panic Room. <laughs> um, she's, like, got short hair, Ben. Um, but, like, Forrest Whitaker, Jared Leto, Dwight Yoakam, yeah. if you don't mind, Paul, Paul Schultz, um, oh. Chappelle's in this movie. Um, but, like, it's just, I don't know. This, just, this movie is just great. And, yeah, it's about two, I think it was 2000 when I did my Jodie Foster Badass trilogy. And I ended up, like, it's just like I was saying before. You get in a zone. You think of these movies that you like. Oh, I'm going to watch them. So I was like, oh, Panic Room. I haven't watched that in a while. As soon as I watch Panic Room, I'm like, oh, I've got to watch Flight Plan now. And then you watch Flight Plan. Oh, I may as well watch The Brave One now. Because you've you've yeah. not seen The Brave One? or you I haven't seen, seen that. That's the one I haven't seen. Yeah, Brave One. Yeah, but you've seen Flight Plan. Sean Bean survives yeah. that one. Uh, yeah. So, you know. <laughs> but uh, do you like, are you a Jodie Foster fan? Yeah, you know, I actually, she doesn't make movies as often anymore, but I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like, I rank her as one of my favorite actresses, Contact. I absolutely Ooh, yeah. love Contact. I don't know if you ever saw the movie, more dramatic movie, Nell, with her and uh, Liam Neeson. Mum used to uh, love that movie. She used to, yeah, I remember that. But yeah, I think and obviously it. Silence of the Lambs is amazing. Um, actually, random one that I was going to mention, which you probably haven't seen, but if you like, you know, Jodie Foster doing things that are different, there's a movie called Elysium with Matt Damon. Um, it was kind of a sci-fi movie and she played like 
a villain in it, but like when you get close to the end of the movie, like she, you basically get Jodie Foster playing a Bond villain. <laughs> so that's kind of fun just to see her as like a really withdrawn villain. Didn't she? Was she, am I thinking of a different actress? Was she the? Was she in that one with like Tom Cruise and Meryl Streep? It was like a a law, like a courtroom one. Was that? Uh, Human Men. No, no uh, Tom Cruise. Or even Lions for Lambs. Lions for Lambs. Was it she might have that? been that one. Yeah, I don't was know. I don't remember. Maybe um, I don't know. I just remember that was a big cast in that one. But um, no, like like can I just say this right now? I'm not condoning threatening to assassinate a U.S. president, <laughs> but. I can see why somebody would want to assassinate a U.S. president to get her attention. She's great. <laughs> Just saying. Um, and this is, this is our first Jodie Foster movie, isn't it? So, yeah, we've never um, covered one. The Beaver is the one I was because that that was um, Mel Gibson. That oh, was that was Mel. Yeah, because she's she's friends with Mel Gibson, so I mean yeah, she's like, probably racist too. But we can forgive her for it. <laughs> she's a lesbian. She can't be racist. Um, she. <laughs> Because, yeah, she's, like, one of Mel Gibson's, like, two friends, him and yeah. her and Robert Downey Jr., I think. They're the only ones that, like, defend Mel Gibson. So, uh, I think Meryl Streep. Did Meryl Streep? No, Meryl, no. I'm thinking of um, who defended Kevin Spacey? Judy Dench. That's who I'm Oh, yeah, Judy of. Dench, yeah. Yeah. Not yeah, defending you, Kevin Spacey. I think Judy Dench <laughs> was just like, Kevin Spacey, I'm still fine with. He just shouldn't do that stuff. So... Yeah. Uh, so we'll have Panic Room next week, and then we'll wrap it up with my big Fat Creek wedding uh, as well. Have you got an Listen actor on to... yet? Have you knocked on his door and asked I, him you to know, come on? They're still filming the third movie. I keep oh. hoping that, like, uh, what? Because if you can you try to contact now, is be like, well, contact us in a few months. Uh, so I, I'm like, if 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 they wrap filming, then maybe we have a shot. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, like they've literally got everybody back from the original movie except the one guy who died. So uh, no, it might have to be a couple months from now. We'll get uh, we'll get Neil Bardellis on. John Corbett. Like, oh, yeah. I love John Corbett. Wasn't he a thing for five minutes in like two thousand and two, yeah. and then he just what else was he in? What else? Was he in we, we talking about Saren, Yeah, he was in. He also did Serendipity, that John Cusack, Kate Beckinsale movie. He was. Uh, right. uh, what I feel like he was in a Sarah Jessica Parker movie too. I don't know. Sex and the City. Um, <laughs> No movie, like like uh, he had been using a movie with her. I don't know, I just, but uh, yeah, he he's basically you you want hunky middle aged man throw John Corbett in there. One thing I was going to quickly add about Panic Room Two, a random thing which we don't often talk about. One of my favorite movie posters. It's just it's such a cool design of the poster that I can't even picture it. It's it's just like the way it's kind of like a, a like a black bars on the side. You have got like this middle cutout of just like Jodie Foster laying on the side, and you see this shadow in the background with just like red typeface. It's it's a simple poster. Oh yeah, like, now I can picture it. Yeah, I just I kind of like this is a random poster I'd like to put on my wall. Um, mm-hmm. so random. Yeah, most famous Jodie Foster posters: Silence of the Lambs, Panic Room, right up there. The B <laughs> that was one with the B on the lips, wasn't it? Yeah, or, or moth. Yeah, a moth. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Um, so yes, we will have that coming up as well. Um, our regular 24 breaking bad coverage and possibly lost unless Max Dawson cancels Ben September. or Noah by the time Next it comes month. up in September. Close, close-ish. Um, maybe we might bring some movie reviews. Uh, there are some movies that we actually saw trailers for that are all coming out this month where I'm like, well, I actually kind of want to see that movie and I didn't even know it existed. So might have something, but not, it'll be on Patreon. We'll talk about it on Patreon. Did you, you see Bullet Train? We did. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. It's I, I mean, my nephew who saw it with us and Jamie liked it more than I did. I, I'll say I liked it for about an hour and 45 minutes of the movie. And then for the last 15 minutes, it basically goes from be, it, it's like the movie went from being um, it, it went from being, I don't know, slightly over the top action 
to Deadpool out of nowhere. It's like you went too far, too over the top out of nowhere, but I, it was decent. It was better than I expected. Yeah, I, it just, I mean, I don't know. There's just something about it where I can see an appeal to it, but then I think like I just feel like it just it's being too if, much something that just Yeah, like looks- you know what it was? It reminded me a lot of not Kill Phil, Kill Bill. It's very Kill Bill-like in like the style and the way that the humor and the action and everything is. But then when it goes from Kill Bill to Deadpool, you're like, ah, you really jumped. Because from Kill Bill to Kill Phil, you're like, it goes "Uh." from Kill Bill to Kill Phil a little bit quickly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We might have a review. We'll talk about it on Patreon. Well, I'm just, I'm just one thing Uh, randomly here. Sorry, I'm just reading that. uh, Maybe I like the house so much in Panic Room because apparently this. Uh, house is set on the Upper West Side, which is where I first lived in New York, and it's a beautiful part of the city, oh. my favorite part of Manhattan. So there you go. That's right. I'm going to like this. I'm going to like it. If not Harlem, no, I didn't get a disease <laughs> in the Upper West Side, so it's all good. Uh, stay tuned for us talking about the Upper West Side next week, um, and sign up for our Patreon if you want to. You can listen to the end of this to figure out how and pay us some money because we work hard. Somebody's got to pay for my poached eggs. Uh, the extra labor Jamie's going to take to make both takes for me. Someone's going to pay um, for my bitterness I have in life towards everyone else that's not me. <laughs> Somebody's got to pay for... Well, we're not cutting Noah. My therapy. Deal. He's out. <laughs> Noah's out. Uh, who? 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 The who? The what? Uh, my, my name is Colin. Uh, Tukla Tukla Dovson. And my name is Ben, and I lick my butt every day. I don't mind. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.